Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Kim Ralph Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business? Old business. No old business. No, 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 old, no yeah. we already decided that we didn't have old business, <laughs> but we felt weird if we weren't going to say we old gotta business. We've got to pretend that we might have old business. Old business? Yeah. Old business. Got to leave it up there just like Janet Maslin. <laughs> yeah. Potential old business for the future. Leave us a review so that Brody can give us more things and also so that I can have old business. Mm. If you leave a review, I'll read it in old business. And then at the end of the pod, Brody will, will tell us some, a story. I've got such juicy and, shit and, and no I'm one's on. leaving reviews. I've been like making notes. And I'll have fun with sound design. <laughs> New business. New business. New business. New business. This week, long live the king. We're living by the code, traveling the open road and hanging out with Night Riders from 1981. The knight is a fighting machine, disciplined in mind and heart, no What the fuck was this movie, gang? <laughs> we wondered, there was a discussion, a very, I started, I asked a question in the car and then I stopped myself because we figured it was podcast business. But we wondered if Brody had ever encountered a movie like this before because this movie is so singular. It is there so is singular. There is nothing else that exists like this. Oh, fuck. That's a question and a half. I feel like, no, I feel like there's, I feel like I've encountered other singular movies, but to lump that's the only way yeah. you can like lump this into a category. Yeah. This movie's from 1981, but this movie feels very 70s to me. Yeah. It is very 70s. Fucking great pool. Well, I guess 1981 is early. Is basically 80s, the 70s. So, yeah. Probably, yeah. Written, it's, definitely written in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So written and directed by George A. Romero. I forgot about that. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot of the cast choices. It does. Yeah. You recognize some of the cast. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, I'll we'll save it. Okay. <laughs> because the, uh, if you recognize who I think you recognize. There's two. There's okay, two cool. that you would know that I recognize. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting. I'm going to save one of them for deep in the pot. Okay. okay. All right. So if I don't mention them, it's on purpose. Copy that. Romero, most famously known for his Of the Dead movies, of mm. which he made many. Were they all his movies or did he like like yes, become a direct, producer? He of wrote and directed all of them. Oh, really? Yes. Because there is so many. Uh, no, there is a lot of, because of a very particular reason, there is a lot of knockoffs. Oh, right. He was obsessed with film from a very early age and started in the film industry directing TV commercials and industrial films hmm. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And in the late 60s, he and nine of his friends decided to each pitch in 600 bucks to make a feature film. Was That's that, cool. It what is. was that? They chose horror because it was popular. Yeah. And it was more likely to make them some money. And the movie would end up costing over a hundred grand. Oh no. Wow. Because you can't make a movie for no. six thousand dollars. No. Oh well you can, but I mean, you can make a movie they, for not, any amount of money, but I think it was even you was like, you can't make a movie these days that's like a small budget movie for like l less than a mil. Well, you run into, I mean, it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. They made Night of the Living Dead. 
Oh, was that the first movie? Yes, that's his first film. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. That is, that is cool. <laughs> that's that is very, very cool. impressive. That is a cool first yeah, movie of yours. Yeah, they invented modern zombies. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, all that zombie shit that you love, that's Romero. How, how long friends. did it take him to make it? Uh, a, a year. Wow. 1968 is Night of Living Dead. Where that's did they, still get, where did they get the rest of the money from? Investors. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, After investors. After they got and, started. I wonder I if that's the way to go, like, to, like, start with no money. Start with something, make something that looks good, and then approach people and be like, look how good this is, get on board. So yep. that we can make the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Over the next decade, he would continue to make movies. He made The Crazies, Season of the Witch, which is where John Carpenter and co stole that title from. Uh, I couldn't remember that. I knew that I knew that, but I could, didn't remember it yeah. when we talked about Halloween 3, but that's where it, where it came from. It was a Romero movie. A movie called The Amusement Park, a vampire movie called Martin that intrigues me that I've never seen that uh, I'm actively trying to hunt Martin. down. Yeah. Just like Season of the Witch is definitely not that Nicolas Cage movie, right? There is a movie called Season of the Witch that is a Nicolas Cage Okay, movie. but it's not that one that it's we're not talking that about. One. Okay. No, <laughs> right. Talking about a movie from the 70s. Okay. I was just checking. Nicolas Cage, although soon to play a vampire, is not in fact a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> in 1978, he would make Dawn of the Dead, the sequel mm. to Night of the Living Dead, set in a mall as an allegory for consumerism. And that's yeah. the one that's been remade more recently, isn't it? It was remade in 2004 by Zack Snyder. Yeah. With a screenplay by James Gunn. Yeah. James Gunn. Yes. It was a hit. It's actually the most profitable of the Of the Dead movies still to this day. Yeah, for a long time I thought that was the original one. No. There is, of course, the black and white Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then because of the success of that movie, he was able to make a personal picture, which is Night Riders. Passion Project. Wow. At this point in his career. Yep. Whoa. That's a choice, man. So he makes the biggest hit of his life, and this is the movie he chooses to make with that chip. Well, that's how this movie gets made. That is, in (laughs) fact, how this movie gets made. Yeah. how How did it, like... You don't have to reveal how did it get received, but, like, what happened to him after this movie? Well, he kept making movies. Yeah, sure, but, like, did he take a hit? No. Did people like this movie? Interesting. I, I don't really know, to be honest. This movie is such a cult movie. Straight, to, most people, straight to video? No, of course not. When it's playing cinemas. Oh, it's my before God. Before home video exists. 1981, man. What the fuck? Home video is not a big thing until, like, the, to 1984, 1985. That's wild. That's the most impressive part of this movie. (laughs) After this movie, he made Day of the Dead. Yep. And Creepshow. Creepshow, I feel like I've seen, but I think it's one of those ones that are in my- We have talked about it because it is an EC Comics anthology horror. But I I think I've seen the cover. It's got like the skeleton on the front, yeah? It has. Written by Chekhov, Stephen King. Ah. (laughs) Chekhov, Stephen King? I'll just you wait. Okay. (laughs) Set up. It'll pay pay off later. <laughs> and then a bunch more, bunch more movies, including producing a remake of Night of the Living Dead in 1990, directed by a cast member of this film. Huh. That I will mention later. Again, <sighs> shut up, payoff. Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. I did not know. I don't know of these ones. Yeah, he kept making movies. He also did a bunch of Steve. He did some more Stephen King adaptations. He did, he did a movie called The Dark Half. But he was always an independent filmmaker, even though he had had hits with the of the dead movies. He was never Hollywood mainstream. Would you he made it? one movie, maybe two, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. So he just had, it was his own thing. He was yeah. always an independent 
Dawn of the Dead, you'd classify as like a mainstream movie, not an independent film, right? No, it's an independent movie because it was made by an independent company. It's not made by a big studio. Oh, interesting. It's, financed okay. by, it's an indie movie. It's yeah, just right. a hit. It's just an mo- indie movie that was a big hit. Okay, okay. He was never on the inside. Mm. Right? He but he's one of the big directors you know their names. He's a, he made a name for himself because of the of the Dead movies, and yeah. which is what most people know him for. But he's a director's director. He's a director's director. Yeah. Like he's obviously, you know, like how many fucking horror movies have a character named Romero? Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's so true. I mean, yeah. I mean, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg owe their yeah. entire fucking career to George Romero. <laughs> yeah. They are zombies in Land of the Dead. Are they? What? Yes. Because of Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is was one of my all-time favorites. It's still one of my like, I love I mean, that's top a, of the that's list. A, it's it's yeah. a great reinvention of zombies. We've talked a little yeah. bit before about how I feel about modern zombie filmmaking. But Shaun mm. of the Dead is a is a is it has actually has something to say, right? And I feel like a lot of zombie media gets the zombies right and not the fact that Romero always, always, always used them as an allegory for whatever it was that he wanted to talk about, whether it's consumerism or yeah. the military and science and, and in Land of the Dead, you know, the disparity between rich and poor people. Yes. Like, I, I think zombies are my favorite horror trope. I think they're my favorite monster. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was vampires, but I think it's I think it's zombies. Zombies uh, Yeah. Because I love the way that it's all about how the people interact whilst hiding from the plague. Yeah. You know what mm. I mean? I mean- I like Romero zombies. I, there's not a lot of other zombie movies that I really like. Scary, zo- uh, uh, scary zombies. Running zombies. Fast zombies scare the shit out of me. I like, yeah, I do like yeah. both of those those movies. Um, 28, 28 Days, days later. later. Yeah. Later. Yeah, I like both of those movies. Yeah. Again, because they've got something to say. Yeah. They're not, it's actually not and really Murphy. about. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not about the zombies. It's about, yes. the people, about the people and that's what all the best zombie movies are. In the last, 20, last 24 hours, I have rewatched Dawn of the Dead. Really? And Half of Day of the Dead this morning. Really? Because I was like. Oh, that's what you were watching. That's what I was what, what time did you get up this morning? Um, like eight-ish. Oh, okay. I turned off before we... I had about 40 minutes to go. And they watched half of the second one. Oh, well. I thought yeah. you watched both those movies no. this no, morning. No, no, no. I watched right. Dawn of the Dead from like, I don't know, 11.30 to like 1. <laughs> to yesterday. Yeah, I forgot your, your yeah, nightly routines. Yeah. George A. Romero passed away in 2017. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that. As he was prepping Twilight of the Dead. <laughs> Twilight of the Dead. What was it about? Well, we don't know, but apparently somebody Shiny is, zombies. Somebody's going <laughs> to take it over no, at some no, point. No, 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 <laughs> And then, and yeah, there's been like 10 million different remakes, but we're not here to talk about it of the Dead movie. No, we're, we're here to we're talk wonder. about people with motorcycles and believe in King Arthur. Yeah. Yes. Starring young hot Ed Harris as King William Billy to his friends. How is he still balding in this movie? I know, right? <laughs> but he's hot. He was born balding. Yeah. Actually, and- I can commiserate with that. <laughs> So, yeah, it's Ed Harris. He's one of those guys. He's just one of those guys that I grew up with in movies. It's Mm. like, oh, look, it's Ed Harris. Like, Ed Harris is in that movie. Yeah. You forget that Ed Harris is in a movie, and then he shows up, and you're like, there's Ed Harris. (laughs) (laughs) This is his third movie ever. Oh, shit. And his first lead role in a a motion picture. Wow. This is his shot. This is his first shot. There are some moments in this movie where he swings for the fences and not entirely hits. I don't know. No, no, no. I'll talk about it at the point. There's just like one or two things because he's a very controlled man and there's moments of uncontrol in this movie of uncontrol. Does that make sense? Sure. Let's move on. (laughs) Before this, he had been a working stage actor and a TV actor. Career highlights are vast. The Right Stuff, The Abyss. 
Glengarry Glen Ross, The Firm, Needful Things, China Moon, Nixon, Apollo 13, The Rock, The Truman Show, Pollock, Buffalo Soldiers. Do you guys know the movie Buffalo Soldiers? No of. I feel like I've seen it, but I can't remember anything about it. I stopped on that one because I feel like that's a movie that time has forgotten. And I really liked that movie back when I saw it. I haven't seen it for a very, very long time. That's a movie that was shelved because it is Joaquin Phoenix on an American military base doing shady deals in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, rings a bell. And it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival about the same week as 9-11. Oh. And then people just fucking hate that movie. It's also got Anna Paquin and a very pre-fame Idris Elba is in that that movie as well. And directed by an Aussie, Gregor Jordan, who is coming off of Two Hands, the Aussie movie with Heath Ledger. Enemy of the Gates, A History of Violence. Enemy of the Gates, wow. Gone Baby Gone. Appaloosa, which is a great Western, a great kind of like a late phase Western. Mm. Pain and Gain. Yeah. Snowpiercer. And most recently, Top Gun Maverick. Maverick. Mm. And then in TV, I always think of him in a very small but important role as a general in the Stand TV miniseries from the from the 90s. Oh, right. Yep. yep. And then as William, a different William, the man in black in Westworld. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I yeah. knew that I knew him from something recently. Rest in peace, Westworld. Mm. Yeah. Very disappointed that's not going to be in the last season. Yeah. yeah. Was the second season even good? All of it's good. There's four seasons. With the one where they like kind of break. Oh, wait. Maybe I have seen the second season where they like Third get season. past the yeah. Western part of it. Listen, it's convoluted as shit, right? And you're either on board with like how like stupid I'd and convoluted be on board. it is or yeah. you're not, right? Yeah. So I understand people are like Westworld's bad because it's just stupid and they just make like it's convoluted and whatever. Right. Fine. I'm glad that you feel that way. I fucking loved it all the I way might, through. I might revisit Even with my complaints, I loved it all the, the way The first through. two seasons, I think I, I loved. That's when there's like the maze shit and the like doing with the loop and all that. Like yeah. that's the yeah. shit I loved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It takes interesting choices. It was headed in an interesting direction and it does have an ending of sorts, but it is disappointing that we won't get to see the creator's ending, which would have yeah. been the fifth season. That's the thing. I feel like when a show goes as long, uh, like long enough, you should really kind of let it finish. Yeah, but it just costs a lot of money. It's HBO, no, no, it's HBO no. and it costs a lot of money and hey, the actors got paid anyway. So yeah. <laughs> but if you're going to have to pay the actors anyway, then is it really that much of a money saver to not do the rents? Yeah. Because it takes up yeah, resources. Yeah, about $70 million. Dollars. Yeah. yeah, but they have it, so just do the thing. Mm. Yeah. Trailers, no trailers. My tape was absolutely trash, so we had to watch this movie through other means, but to provide some context of what maybe would have been a trailer. I'm just going to name random movies that we've not no, heard well, of. The, the <laughs> biggest movies that came out these in the US the same month of, as this movie in 1981 mm-hmm. were, oddly, Excalibur. A wizard's ancient spell. Into the eyes of the dragon and the despair. And the lust of a lord. I must have her. One night with her. Give birth to an empire. Behold the sword of power, Excalibur. Interesting. Nice. John Borman's reimagining of the King Arthur myth. <laughs> That'd be a nice double feature. <laughs> imagine, yeah, imagine two reimaginings of King Arthur in the same. They come out within a week of each other. Wow, that's fantastic. That's that. That's that phenomenon where it's like People deep impact in Armageddon. Thing, yeah, thing, yeah. <laughs> kind of, but like really different. Like one of them is way weirder. Yeah. <laughs> like, interesting enough, John Borman's son, Charlie Borman. Is Ewan McGregor's best mate, and they did all those motorcycle, oh, the motorcycle yeah. adventures. The motorcycle guy. adventures, which is just, you know, I know that lots of people ride motorcycles, but I just thought it was amusing. Friday 13th, part two. 
on a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. opens the same the same time and Joe Dante's classic werewolf movie The Howling we've got to warn people we've got to warn people what do you see The Howling somewhere in this city in this human jungle it begins Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Night, I'm going Something make you believe the howling. They were the three biggest movies in, huh. the, in the in the US when Night Riders came out. Interesting. Who is going to recap the premise of Night oh, Riders? It uh, has to be you. Fuck yeah! Right. Reimagining of King Arthur, except Renfairs and motorcycle jousts and fighting to be king. In a modern world, is that enough? Did I do it? <laughs> I mean, that's probably as close as you were ever going to get. <laughs> yeah. Always look at your face while I'm doing it to be like, how how far off am I getting? Yeah. Where I mean, you were closer to a sentence than you were last week. Yeah. Last week, I was like, "Fuck, man, how, do I even like? Do I try to cut this together to make it go? Because <laughs> it was a mess. Words." Word salad. <laughs> the blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998. Night Riders. An itinerant motorcycle group holds medieval-style fairs, joust on their motorcycles, and dedicate themselves as knights to the noble-minded principles of King Arthur's credo. Odd, but captivating and quite unique. Four stars. 
That's awesome. Odd but captivating. Wow. Yeah. That is a that is a singular review meeting the movie where it is. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good way to approach a movie. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Look at you learning Cairns terms. <laughs> Vincent Canby of the New York Times, because Janet Maslin does not yet exist in this dojo. Ah. She exists. She just doesn't review any of the movies. Does she exist if she's not in the office? We don't know. We don't know. Life Practicing. could be a simulation. If a Janet Maslin falls in the trees and nobody reads her reviews. <laughs> the engine hasn't hasn't built her up yet. Okay, we've got, oh, no. We've got, oh, no, right, energy already. <laughs> okay, in April of 1981, he wrote a review, but it doesn't really review the movie <laughs> so much as compare it to Escalibur. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Vincent drop Campy it on not, us. Which Vincent Campy did not enjoy. And then recap the, the entire... No, he talks more about Escalibur in the Night Riders <laughs> review than he does about Night Riders. And then he just recaps the, the plot of Night Riders. So I'm not even going to read the review. So did when in comparing it to Excalibur, did he prefer He Knight preferred Riders? Night Riders. Okay. He thought Excalibur was like too hoity-toity which is hilarious because that movie's not horny to I did find an uncredited staff review from TV Guide and after cutting out the the recap, it boiled down to horror director George Romero departs from his usual fare to direct this fun, romantic and vastly underrated elegy to idealism and rugged individualism. Night Riders is overlong and at times fairly undramatic, but for viewers who stick with it and accept the premise, there is much of interest to be found here. It seems like people understood what they were getting themselves yeah. into. I think this movie kind of forces you to meet it where it is. You're either in, you're either like into this movie or not into this yeah. movie. Yeah. This movie is not for the faint I don't think you finish this movie if you're not into it. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you can't misunderstand good. what it's trying to do either because yeah. like, you can't be like, oh, it's being too flippant or, oh, it's taking things too seriously because it's, it, it tells you exactly how serious or not serious we are taking this from, like, the first scene. Oh, so yeah. it, kind of, it kind of stops that weird Question. thing where people don't understand what the movie's trying to do. Question, though. Is this movie taking itself seriously? Yes. Right? Yeah. It's got to be, it's right? Having, it's having fun, but it's but it's it's doing that thing where where the filmmakers are just are treating the material lightly. Straight. No, lightly but straight. Yes. They're not yeah. making fun. Yeah, the characters are playing their parts. There's no looking to camera. There's none of that. No, not, yeah. not whatsoever. And there's a there's a reason for that. It's mm. because what Romero is expressing through this metaphor of people that can't move past an Arthurian code yeah. is very personal to him. So it's... Question, another question. Does he have a code that he lives by? <laughs> the code of King Arthur. It's Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Last question. Is the final act... Does the final act start about... 45 minutes in and the, the end, final and the and the end act is just an hour long or is that more plot okay it has a unique structure you're jumping ahead we'll talk okay, about okay. it through, through, okay. the, through the film so my backstory with this movie is that this is a movie i saw with my father fantastic yeah it is a movie that thrilled me as a child your dad loved it right i think my dad was weirded out by it it's a fucking oh, okay. roller coaster man yeah but, like, this is a perfect, like, watch with sun movie, though, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. But it's also a movie that 
I wasn't sure it was real for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a fever dream, even though I know it's real. Yeah. My next note here is, it could have been a fever dream. Yeah. Or two different movies that I had forged together in my childhood. Yeah. Also what it feels like. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. So as it turns out, it is a real movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I had completely forgotten about it. I'm not like, oh yeah, it wasn't like it came back into my brain. I was like, oh yeah, I think I remember that. Think of that, remember that movie. Like I had a moment of realization that holy shit, that movie exists and that movie is re- is real. And that happened in 2017 when George Romero died. Ah. Because everybody on Twitter was was tweeting about their favorite Romero movies and somebody tweeted This is a bold favorite. Somebody tweeted that, you know, this movie was underrated and that mm-hmm. movie like just popped fully formed back into my head. And I was like, oh my God, it's real. It's real. Yeah. And yeah, then for sure. I made Kira watch it. Yeah. yeah, and it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But see, the funny thing is, all think- those reviews, Kira having a completely different experience from you, hmm. everyone's just on board with this movie. And it's it's like a magic of this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everyone feels the same vibe. Yeah. Because yeah. it is such a happy, positive It brings you movie. into it and it doesn't confuse you. <laughs> yeah. So it's got a happy ending. I don't know if it does. I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about it. But when there's we get lots there. of smiles. Key do you remember? Question. Do you remember the circumstances of watching the movie? Because you sometimes what? better re- remember that stuff. Do you mean as in like where were we? Or <laughs> well, do you remember that if I just gave you a choice, or if I just put it on? <laughs> this feels like a movie I would have had to have just put on, right? No, I think that you gave me a choice. I think that this happened in a run of movies where we were watching a lot of things with people on vehicles. Okay. <laughs> like there was a bit period about... <laughs> I love how that's I like the to point themes. I'd like to point out I have no memory of this. <laughs> there was a period of time around 2017, 2018 where we watched like all the skateboard movies and all the people with rollerblades movies and oh, all the people with yeah, the BMX okay. movies and I think that this fell into that yeah. world of, oh, well, there's this movie about nights on motorcycles yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> okay. Within yeah. within the context of yeah, we let's would, let's, let's do it. Let's. Nights on motorcycles. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be another movie where there's nights on motorcycles, right? I don't think there I is. Don't I don't think there think is. This is it, man. <laughs> I think this is all we got. This is the entire. There genre. are probably other movies of people jousting on motorcycles, but they don't consider themselves knights. Mm, mm. Maybe, maybe. If you were trying to track this movie down, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're in the United States, you can rent it and stream it pretty much everywhere. Like it's oh, available. Really? That's good. Yeah, it's available in the United States. There is also a Blu-ray. There is a good restoration and a Blu-ray from Shout Factory, but it's getting pricey. It is easier to find it on DVD. There are also two cuts of this movie. Oh. So is one of them shorter? One of them is, in fact, shorter. So there's a shorter <laughs> cut that was released in Europe that runs 102 minutes. I would okay. love to edit this movie. I reckon I can get this movie down to like 70 yeah. minutes. Uh, actually that's not actually that can. much of a cut because this is only 114. I think you will find the version that we the version on VHS is the European cut. Oh. And we did not watch the European we cut. 100% we watched the, did not we watch watched the longer cut. So if, if we had watched it on my VHS, if it had been watchable, we would have watched the shorter version of the movie. I hear what you're saying where, like, you don't think there's heaps could be cut out, but there's there's still a lot that can be cut out. He, well, but it's a hangout movie, so yeah. I wouldn't take a moment out of it, right? Interesting. So it's a hangout movie. It's a hangout movie. Okay. It's a movie where, and I was about to talk about this because we're going to get into it, so we may as well just get into it, right? The fact of the matter is that the movie gives so little fuck about actual plot. It's really thin, yeah. right? That we spend 40 minutes getting to know people. 
the first the, the opening sequence which is a Ren Faire Mm. We just spent 40 minutes getting to know everybody and setting up the dynamics. Yeah, dyna- that's true. Character dynamics are not necessarily the plot. It's a very... Um, it's a hangout movie, so I wouldn't take anything out of it. Yeah. that's. It's a very funny opening sequence when you put it in perspective of like, it could be a medieval, like there's a fair being set up in a medieval fantasy. Yeah, until there's motorcycles. And someone <laughs> needs to run off and get the king to well, deal with something, you know what so, I mean? Yeah, so we open in a forest. A beautiful sunlit forest in the morning. With beautiful people laying in it. We see a vision of a black bird, which is very important, mm. that wakes up King William, Billy, mm. to his friends. I'm going to call him Billy. And his lady, Queen Lynette. And they are naked in that forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> enjoyed that. <laughs> it was a strong start. I'm not going to lie. She watches as he- Mostly for Ed Harris. Yeah. She watches <laughs> as he- Flagellates himself? Is that how that's pronounced? Flagellates. Flagellates? Yeah. yeah. I knew I was going to fuck that up. Flagellates yeah. himself? It was it's a never weird choice. never explained why he does because he does it later in the it's movie penance. as well. It's part yeah. of like a medieval For... tradition. Uh, your sins, guilt. Yeah. I guess we it's... don't know what he did to but deserve he's, it that He is a character that carries guilt with him. We don't necessarily know for what, but he is like, it's said kind of towards the end where he's like, people should, I'm not great. People shouldn't be following me. So he doesn't think yeah. he's the hero, you yeah. know? Yeah, so that's I feel like fine. It's I just him. didn't necessarily understand why he was doing that to himself. And I think it sets a medieval tone. It definitely tone. sets tone, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a medieval thing. Priests used to do it. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. We watch as he prays butt out to the sun with yeah. his sword, and then they get dressed into their medieval armor and mount up on his Yamaha motorcycle and ride Such out to the 1980s as we get the tunnel card and credits. Such a strong it's start. It's so good. Yeah. That was my first note. Strong start intro to motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> because if you were watching this movie, if you come across this movie, right, you just flick channels and you see Ed Harris's butt and you decide to continue watching. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck this movie is until he jumps on a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Can you imagine having that experience? That would be fantastic. That would yeah. be a great time. And then we get a montage of a fair, a Ren Fair, Renaissance Fair, as patrons are gathering. Can we go to a tri- Ren Fair? Yeah, we so totally can. Can we do that? Because, like, watching this, I was just like, oh, we should fucking go to a Ren Fair. Like, that's do all I want to do. they have Ren Fairs around here? I don't, I, don't know. Know. I don't know if we live in a country that has <laughs> Ren Fairs. Uh, we don't have a big Renaissance tradition in this country. Yeah, that's a shame. There was other shit going on. Yeah, true. Um, but we can look into it. We can look <laughs> we into should, it. man. So the troop is preparing to put on a show. We see food getting cooked, weapons being forged. We meet Morgan. Played by Tom Savini, and yes, I'm going to talk about Tom Savini later. Okay, okay. Do you recognize Tom Savini? He looked familiar, but okay. I don't know why Brody's excited. Okay, I, I like. I'm very impressed <laughs> that he knows who Tom Savini is, but we'll talk about it when we get to when we get to it. We're okay. saving it. Okay. He's testing out a new mace as Sir Alan, Alan Lancelot, <laughs> and Little John, played by Ken Forey. Ken Forey is one of the leads, Peter in Dawn of the Dead. Huh. They then discuss whether or not the mace is too dangerous to use as a sidearm, as a hack weapon in the tawny without having tested it first. And yes, they tawny on motorcycles. Yeah. Fucking great. Morgan agrees not to use it. And he's kind of teasing Alan about, you know, Alan's, you're, you, if you're too weak, you can use it on me if you're so soft. <laughs> or he could use a um, crotch gun. Okay. Just <laughs> stop. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. I, We're going to get there. Okay. It's okay. going to be a good time. Okay. <laughs> and it becomes clear where you know him from. Okay. <laughs> I know him from lots of things. Pippin, their bard slash MC, comes over and asks if anyone's seen uh, Billy Pippin. because there's trouble with the law. It's such a um, really f- progressive but also not progressive depiction of, 
of a gay character. I, I just, yeah, yeah, we'll get to those parts. George Romero yeah. is very progressive, was progressive for his time. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead has a black man as the lead in 1968. Oh, wow. Yeah. He is a progressive dude. What the fuck? Yeah. Probably neither of you remember how Night of the Living Dead ends. Nah. No, I haven't the, seen it in so long. Night man. of the Living Dead ends with Ben, the black man who is the hero of the movie, being killed by rednecks who are walking around killing zombies. Yeah, fuck. They just shoot him on sight. Fuck, yes. There's a reason that's such a fucking amazing movie, hey? Romero makes political movies. Fuck. Zombies are political. Of course, he's such a political fucking leader. Of course, his movies are going to be yeah. so forward thinking. A local rube drops his cup of corn and complains they won't give him another one for free. His teen daughter is mortified. Julie, played by Patricia Tolman. I only learned this like because I was doing She looks research. familiar. She would go on to become a stunt double. She's Laura Dern's stunt double in Jurassic Park. Oh, <laughs> shit. She's stunt Ellie Sattler. Well, there you go. That's mad. She's also an unnamed babe in Roadhouse. And she is Barbara in the Night of the Living Dead remake, directed by one of the cast members. Mm. She chews out her dad. There's some quality acting. Mm-hmm. You're a slob. The beers. Daddy, you're a slob. A fat slob jerk. Mother, you're a wimp. Yeah, I'm willing to accept it because it's 1981 yeah. and it's yeah. an independent picture. And like, yeah. yeah, some of the bad acting really supports some like of the little Not every performance is, is great. Like yeah. not every performance is, is good acting, quote unquote, right? But it doesn't matter. It's such a yeah. movie, such a I think I think it's fine. It was more, it, it bumped me more because, yes, he's a slob character, but like we only just met him. It seems like a big reaction to him wanting free corn. <laughs> we meet the troops mechanic, Angie. I love her. Yeah, yeah, cool. She's cool. So she flirts with Morgan because they're kind of they're kind of together. I think they're yeah. sometimes together and they're sometimes not together, depending mm. on how Morgan feels on the day. Yeah. She's played by Christine Forrest, who was an assistant director and would become a producer and sometimes did casting, and she is George Romero's wife. Hey. Ah. Julie, not looking where she's going, is almost knocked down by Alan on his steed. <laughs> to swerve to avoid her. They do a kind of like a meet cute where she's trying to lift up the bike and just hurting him more, which is, yeah. kind, of, which is kind of fun. He ends up kind of talking to her and getting her to jump on his bike to go for a ride. And we find out that a local cop is, even though they've got a permit signed by the sheriff, is putting the hard word on them. Really wants bribery. It's really wants yeah. bribery. It's a shakedown. Yeah. 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 While the sheriff is away, the other sheriffs will ask for more bribes. Why? Well, he's yeah. not a sheriff. He's just a cop. He's just like the top cop. Right? Yeah. He's not the, he's not the deputy. Charge, yeah. We meet their doctor, Merlin, mm. of course. The coolest fucking person that ever was personed. Yeah, so he's played by a man named Brother Blue. Shut he, up. Do I know him from elsewhere? No, probably not. No? His symbol is a butterfly. Uh-huh. Which he wears through significantly Everywhere. Throughout, the, throughout the movie. He was a real-life philosopher and storyteller right. that Fuck believed yes. that storytelling was a divine calling and performed his entire life in the European Bardic tradition as well as African traditions. Wow. Oh, my that, fucking that God. That dude is the real deal. What and he didn't do other movies? He didn't. He didn't do a lot of other stuff. He was wasn't he really like an famous. Actor. He wasn't really an actor. Yeah, he was well known within the circles of like traditional storytelling. Wow! Published a bunch of books, won awards, all kind. If all he was around today, he'd probably be doing TED talks, kind of thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's not get into that cult. <laughs> Alan finds Billy, and they ride back together to the fair. Very triumphant music. Mm-hmm. There's a fun bit where Alan doesn't even know Julie's name. And Queen Lynette is wearing a disapproving look of Alan's choices. 
That, yeah, I didn't understand that look until the end. I was like, oh, really? is that a it look? It is if- all the way through. I didn't, I didn't pick that up. Every, the whole movie. There was one they moment. They eyes at each other. Before the end, there is one moment where I was like, oh, that's weird. Every so scene. So I must, must have been oblivious. Every scene. Wow. Back at the fair, Billy don't take no shit from the police. No, he He's does not, not want to do the wrong thing. We see how fiery he is. And it was funny to see how everyone was like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And then it's Billy who's like really has no like authority outside of this place. It was like, fuck you, cop. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, okay, now we're he's confident. Not gonna, he's not going to do anything. Mor- Morgan, who, who is basically essentially kind of the bad guy, but not really. Yeah. Um, he's the black knight. He's the black knight. Yeah. yeah. He actually tries to, to calm him down and says they should just pay. Morgan's like, so reasonable throughout the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> not the whole movie. Not the whole, the whole, whole movie. movie. He makes some choices. He has some points to make that are, that are, that are, that are good, fair enough. But he, also he has, has some good points. But he also is not yes. always the right. Yes. Yeah. But neither is Billy though. And he's already he's already leading. Yeah, I mean, they believe that they're in... <laughs> they in have Arthur's some flaws to their court, thoughts. So, I mean... <laughs> The king is not all right in his mind. I don't think any of them are. No. The games. Our the first, games. Our first tawny. Pippin introduces a parade and yes, he talks about King Arthur and a courtly tradition and a knightly code and that is what this troop lives by. Yeah. The crowd kind of twitters in laughter at them. They're not really into it. A local hick chewing a sandwich. I'm pronouncing it like that because I feel like that's how he would pronounce it. Okay. Uh, comments <laughs> that he doesn't have the balls to wear something like that. He, his wife tells him to give her a beer. That is Stephen King. I thought he Shut looked familiar. Shut the fuck up, right? I thought he was someone. I knew the that The guy he, who's like saying it's fake? Yes. That's I Stephen knew King. That, I knew that that was someone. I knew that that was a cameo, but I did not know who it was. And his wife, Tabitha King. That's fantastic. Yes. That explains hey. the check and off. From as I have already mentioned, Romero worked several times with Stephen King. They created Creepshow together a couple of years later. Right. Yes. <laughs> Pippin introduces the king- but Billy is uh, busy talking to little John about the mace. He tells him that he should just, they, it's fine to use it. Just use yeah. it. That's the new toy. That's the mace I made for Morgan. You got a solid head? Yeah, it's made out of metal, not rubber. Alan thinks it's too heavy. Let me see. I didn't think we should use it until we tried it out first. If Morgan needs a hand weapon, tell him it's okay to use the mace. Oh, come on, Bill. He's so because, fucking reckless. Well, he, I don't think he's necessarily reckless he's just like if we're in we're in he wants competition he wants like real he wants it to be as real as it can be yeah the funny thing is is like he doesn't believe he should be the king you know what i mean he's giving every opportunity for mm. people to take him down No, he wants to be king he wants to be king i feel like he he's doesn't giving want, every no, opportunity want, to be taken okay down. so he doesn't want and this is for later but he doesn't want stardom he doesn't want them to be popular he just wants to be left alone so he can live by his fucking code but you know what I mean? Like he when wants I to say be king. he wants to, he, he definitely wants to, but leave. he's giving the black knight every opportunity. He's saying, yeah, use heavier weapons. He's because he like, wants it to be real. Cause he wants to be, he, he wants, wants it, it to be real. He, he wants it to be real. Mm, okay. He doesn't, okay. he wants for the rest of the world to fuck off and go away. And, and for, for this them to, to leave, be not just le- a stage show. He wants this to be real. He wants it to be actual reality. Interesting. Yes. In a van, there's a reel to reel tape player for the musicians, but it won't, play the music so they do a little mouth trumpet or <laughs> <laughs> King William he takes the throne and watches the tawny and the games begin with the knights doing a little bit of stunt riding drawing lots to see who will fight who and we learn that the king himself is this when they were doing the jumps yeah 
Did you notice the 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 jester dives down in front of the ramp? The bikes go over him, but he's not under the ramp. He's, he's definitely not the under the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what happened. It's very clearly. I mean, not some dangerous in shit danger. later. <laughs> I, I totally forgot this was a Romero movie, so I was like, "Oh, this is a stunt person movie." We're watching one of those stunt person movies where, like, stunt people have gotten together to make a movie because, like, this shit just intensified and intensified, and people just kept getting fucked and kept getting like absolutely like I think people died making this movie. I I don't care what you say. I'm pretty sure people died making this movie. Okay, the confirmed not. <laughs> We learn that the king himself may ride if there is a worthy opponent. Which I assume happens every time, right? No, I don't think it no. does. No? No, I don't think it does. You have to show your best. You have to... It happens this time so that we see it. Yeah. But I think you have to show your best. Okay. Yeah. Our first joust, and yes, they joust with fucking lances. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Knight gets knocked off and his bike goes towards the crowd. This is a setup for later, which mm. is fantastic. Merlin and some of the others knock it down before it hits anybody. We get to see that this is, it actually is dangerous. Julie's pretty impressed. As Alan explains, they fight until there is one knight left. Stephen King thinks that they're like wrestlers with their yeah. blood bags in their mouths. The, the, there is absolutely a wrestling vibe to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> The, the brilliant thing about this sequence is that it's set up, and I know how you said, like, you couldn't cut anything out, and I wouldn't cut anything out of this, but all the little bits and pieces feel like they're useless, but it sets up a really good, like, there's a little piece about, like, oh, when they're doing the mace, it's like, oh, not every one of us wears armor, like proper armor, like some of us wear tinfoil. Yeah. Someone's saying, oh, don't forget, make the jousting sticks, what are they called? <laughs> Jousts? The lance. Lances, thank you. It's called a lance. Hello. Yes. Yeah, they, a cut, lance. They, they cut it so that it'll break so that yeah. nobody dies. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's all these little bits and pieces. So you see how it works and you get the announcement yeah. of the jester over the top that explain the rules and it's not really zeroed in on. Yeah. But you get these rules to how the thing works and you get like, oh, this isn't just a tournament for you people. Whoever wins this gets to like have less duties so it's important to us and I love the way they make up this camp because it's a hangout movie and because it does take its time and because it is yeah it's long right there is this kind of feeling like well you could cut this and you could cut that but I think all the parts are actually secretly adding you know what I mean I think what I would cut is cut down on things I wouldn't take anything out right yeah there is probably a way to make this movie where it is 90 minutes but it would be a different It would be different. It would be different. You would need to take elements out. Yeah. Kira had some concerns about the fact that this movie runs two and a half hours and that we would be here forever and that I would have like 30 pages of notes. I have less notes for this movie than I do for a regular movie because less happens. We just spend more time having that less happen. The jousts continue. The winner gets a wreath from the queen. One of the winners is a female knight, Rocky. Love that. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's awesome. Morgan the Black Knight and his opponent Sir Kay both knock each other down so William rules that there was no winner and they will fight again. I mean he definitely lost. They will fight again <laughs> with their sidearms what they call hacks and so in a hack fight you stand in the sidecar like a chariot while somebody else rides and you hack at each other until somebody falls down. They also have free reign to roam around and not use the blocks like they do in a traditional joust. Morgan decides to use the mace. It's a fairly even fight to the point that Morgan puts on a good show. Merlin walks over and just silently hands Billy his helm because he knows that Billy yeah. is going to want to fight him. And I love the way that their motorcycle helmets are just fashioned into oh, into, into helms. Love into yeah. This is a fucking amazing show to have at a Ren Fair. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. imagine going to a Ren Fair and watching this. You'd be like, this is fucking worth the price of admission. Yeah. Well, people are into it. So Lynette doesn't want him to fight. He still, we find out that he still isn't right from the last one, that he's got a bad shoulder. The king rides against him, and the other good knights, who are the king's supporters, so there's like the king's knights and there's Morgan's knights. Yes. Like in a wrestling show, you wear faces and heels. Yeah. And the heels are always trying to win the championship. Yep. And the faces are always trying to defend their champion, who is the king. Yeah. And I love that where there's like, there's rules where like he has to make him yield. But if yes. the good knights run out there and stop him from making him yield, then it's okay. And which is he technically lose. Which yeah. is exactly what, what happens. He gets knocked down, but they save him before, before Morgan can get to him. There is a bike flip in this. Yeah. There's some good stuff in here. There is a bike flip that I'm pretty sure someone broke their neck. No. It's How just do you a, not? Just a well-designed piece of stunt work. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. There's a couple of bike flips in this where I'm like, I'm pretty sure they died. Yeah. I, as far as I know, nobody was really significantly hurt on this movie. Wow. It's just good stunt work. That's incredible. It's just well- uh, One of the knights- Do you reckon dummies, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Probably some dummies at certain points. I didn't write down his name because I didn't really know about this guy. One of the knights is, a, is actually a stunt guy who is like the lead stunt guy for the motorcycle stunts. And he right. and- Tom Savini also did the motorcycle stunts in Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. Well, it's Morgan that goes over his over his handlebars. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Alan basically puts his puts his Chain flail through, yeah. His flail into his front wheel and then he and then he goes over. The crowd cheers. Rocky tells Morgan that he forgot his basics. <laughs> Should be a runner. <laughs> and Stephen King is not impressed because it's all fake. Come on. The king is pretty pleased with himself <laughs> as Merlin patches him up. I love I love how he's just like totally accepts that he can get his ass kicked all the time. Like yeah. he's just like, I got beaten. Hands down, I got beaten. Yeah. <laughs> Alan's not impressed. He doesn't like the risks that Billy takes. They count on him to be king and to keep all this going, but he keeps putting himself into danger. The show goes on. Lynette and Alan almost share a moment, but it's interrupted by Julie. It's all set up. It's all the way through it. Rocky gets eliminated and Morgan reminds her of the basics. And then in the tent, Billy tells Merlin he had the dream about the blackbird again. And they talk a little bit about magic and destiny and real life and belief. That blackbird is going to get him. And then Merlin performs the story of King Arthur for the king's pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) The final fight is Sir Alan versus the noble Hector. Julie puts a token and necklace on his lance. Alan's like... Did you get this from another dude? Because it's bad luck if you do that. Yeah, <laughs> I love the, I love the bit where he rides off and she like, oh, I have a handkerchief oh, yeah, on a my scarf. fucking thing. I yeah. put the scarf. On. <laughs> yeah, the queen spots the token on Alan's lance, and yeah, they're doing a really bad job of hiding their thing for each other. I can't believe that you didn't see it the entire time. I mean, I, I know what happens, but I honestly didn't think that. I didn't suspect anything's going on because. Although I knew it was um, King Arthur and, and he was obviously Lancelot and she was obviously Maid Marian. Uh, Maid Marian fucking, um, <laughs> what's the name? Maid Marian. Yep, we're going with that. I mean, we have other Robin Hood characters. We have Friartuck and we have yes. Little John. Because there was that instance with the girl from the start, mm. I didn't really think about it. And the look at the start set me up to think she's suspicious because she's of protective outsiders. of the life. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Alan wins his fight against the noble Sir Hector and will fight Sir Ewan. The king returns to his throne and the champion of the, we learn the champion of the day owns privileges. They're privileged in their society. Alan loses. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ewan is champion. 
And then we have a test of skill for anybody with their own motorcycles, which seems like it should never go yeah, wrong. Yeah. That just, that's just asking I mean, for so much trouble. I mean, I can't believe with motorcycles being stopped just before they hit the crowd and things like that, that they haven't been sued. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Insurance premiums yeah. for this. For this. <laughs> yeah. Trooper must be through the roof. Morgan asks Billy if he's all right, and they kind of shake hands because they have a... A competitive camaraderie with each other. I love that. There's a little kid waiting for an autograph from Billy. He asked him to sign a magazine called Cycle Riders that has a story about King Billy in it. I feel like he has PTSD. Who? Billy. Yeah, probably a little bit. Because of the reaction he gives to this kid. Yeah, he won't sign it for the kid because of his principles. And he then badmouths Evil Knievel. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you can badmouth the person Evil Knievel, but leave that magnificent bastard the stuntman alone <laughs> this is evil Knievel and the evil Knievel shock absorbing stunt cycle you can make him do wheelies backstands even mid-air somersaults and for that big jump here's evil up and over that four-foot ditch Evil Knievel, sold separately or with the Evil Knievel stunt cycle from Ideal. I watched a documentary about him. Was he like not a great dude, but he did amazing stunts? He was a terrible person. Yeah, right. an absolute (laughs) fucking prick of a person. (laughs) Yeah. But he also, you know, jumped a motorcycle that was made for cruising around on a freeway. Fuck. Over over the fountains of Caesar's Palace and ate shit. (laughs) Oh, fuck. The funny thing is, is many great men were also bastards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most great men. Morgan's like, how about an autograph for the next king? One of the bikers has a fucking swastika on his head. Yeah. <laughs> because that is the times. Yeah. The bikers are terrible at skill challenges and start raising hell. They steal stuff and kind of ride off. The knights chase them down on the back roads and through the fields. So we get a fun like chase sequence. Yeah. One of the knights gets side by side with the biker and tells him that he's impressed with his riding. He just wants the axe back. And the biker gives him the axe and he's like, hey, look out for that barn. <laughs> That's great. Biker swerves, crashes through a bunch of produce signs, jumps a produce stall, and then ends up in a river. What is going on? It's just wackiness. Yeah, it it's really just like, is. It feels it's like, like um, Keystone Cops. Wacky races kind of thing. Yeah, they're just yeah. having fun. It's just an excuse to, to fuck around, right? <laughs> Rocky ends up charging at the swastika biker with her lance, and he falls off his bike, and his bike explodes, and well, yeah. suck it. <laughs> We don't know if we killed someone. Let's just move on. Well, yeah. no, the bike, he flop falls onto the road and the bike goes over and he watches as his bike Oh, explodes. yeah, he does too, yeah. Yeah, no. And then after the fair is over, we get quite a beautiful, like, montage of, of how they live. We see them kind mm. of cleaning up the fairground, uh, you know, training by sunset with the sun going down, some quite beautiful shots, and then seeing It would be a cool way to live. Like, the way they're, like, practicing sword fighting around, like, the bonfire and, like, just hanging yep. out. Like, it, it would be a very cool way to live. I can see why it's a it's a cult that's attracting people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a cult. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Queen Lynette is chewing Billy out for his crazy behavior and how it affects everybody else. Everybody here made a conscious adult decision to be here, to be with you. When you go crazy, you force them to rethink that decision. You've got to... Compromise. Change doesn't have to mean compromise. We're bigger now. Things are different. Christ, we've got an overhead. Publicity helps the overhead by bringing in more crowds, more sucker-headed American driftwood that can't tell the difference between me and Jim Jones or Charles Manson. 
Or the great Wallenda, that kid. That kid, kid thinks I'm evil Knievel. That kid thinks you're Billy Davis. Sir William the Knight. You're his hero. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm fighting the dragon. The kid thinks he's a hero. He's not a hero. He's fighting the dragon. Yeah. yeah. What are we talking about with this? Society. Yeah, okay. So here's I where I'm going to talk about. I thought he's like constantly trying to escape something that's not said. It is. Yes, it's society. Is that it's what the it is? Modern, I thought he modern done something. You know what I mean? So no. with no. the like flagellation and everything, I thought he hated himself for some reason. No, no. he's just a guy that wants to operate outside the system, right? So okay. this is why this movie is, per- is a personal movie. Because George Romero was always an outsider. Mm. He was always an outsider weirdo artist that did his own thing that was never accepted by Hollywood. He just wanted to be left alone to do his own, to do his own stuff. Mm. And so that's why this is a personal movie. This is a movie about outsider art. It's a movie about people that don't want to exist within the, within the, within the system. <laughs> it is kind of outsider they create art. A, well, they want to create a world for, them, for themselves mm. where they can make the stuff that they want to make be who they want to be and not have to worry about conforming to what other people think. Yeah, fair. That's why this is a personal picture. That's mm. what he's talking about. Billy's fighting the dragon. The yeah, dragon okay. is the dragon is everybody else. It's all the noise. It's the publicity. It's the fame. It's all the shit that Morgan falls for. Yeah. It's all that. It's all that stuff. Like they could just live their lives. We can make things more simple. We could just live like King Arthur and his code and our lives will be. But the thing is. Fantastic. The thing is. And yes, it's kind of culty. But it's also kind of but like It's rugged. It's what the review says. The rugged individualism. The, the weird thing is, is that neither Billy or Morgan should be leading this group. It is definitely Alan or the solicitor that should be leading this group. Maybe. I think Alan is the future king, but he is young. He's, he's not, not ready. He's not ready to. Do you reckon that's what it is? Yeah, he's he's like the, the uh, apprentice. He's, he's like the he's like Lancelot, on his way dude. up. Yeah, like but Lancelot be- is not the one who should be leading Camelot. He's he's slightly different to Lancelot. Yeah, but yeah, but in this case, Alan in ten years, Alan's running the place. It's just that right now he's still a kid. Mm, yeah. Okay, I like that read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sitting around the fire, Julie's still there. Julie has not left. Yeah, she's running away to join the Rena- Renaissance Fair. She I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Pippin teases Morgan that he only recently found out that Morgan Le Fay, his namesake, is a woman. Which I think is just a beautiful touch. It's just wonderful. So Morgan Le Fay is commonly King Arthur's sister in the French versions of the story. Sometimes ah. is and sometimes isn't. Morgan comments back that Pip's known all his life he's a woman. Yep. Everyone goes real quiet. And then Angie says the thing out loud that she should probably say in a private conversation. Yep. Yeah. Because she just straight out asks if Pippin is gay. And, and then pushes the point. Pip, yeah. Pip's the problem is, was when he should push the point. Pip's response is, I'm convo. very happy. Yeah. Such a pressured convo. Yeah. And then the truth is that he doesn't know. And he takes heat I love that. for not knowing. I love that. I mean, poor Pip, first of all, for yeah. Hafter being in that situation. But, like, I love that he was just like, I don't know. Because I've been there. The, I've never, fucking been there. You never know had what I mean? the chance to, exp- to have experiences or express that or know what it is the fuck is going on. But that's the thing. Like, you, you don't know until you know. And then they talk about the fact that Rocky doesn't take any heat because she knows who she is and she kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky is a great character. The cops are back. 
cops creep creep in after dark. The line, I smell bacon, that can't be a reference to Wayne's World, right? And it's not the right time. I was just checking. I just wanted to know. The look on Keen's face. I mean, Wayne's World is like. Oh, way older. I just didn't know. Way I just, younger. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, younger, no, so. I know. <laughs> Younger. The movie came out in 1991. Yes. Okay. Good. Just checking. Ten years later. Because <laughs> he like laughed as he said it. I was like, "Is that a reference?" Oh, good. I'll check. Future reference. Yeah. I mean, that's a saying that has existed for a very, very long time. I was hey. just. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. It's not a new statement. Do you okay. know where bacon comes from? Pigs. Yeah. Comes from pigs. Lambs. Do you see the? Do you see the <laughs> connection there? I do. I do. I know. <laughs> I know. Wayne's World didn't create it. It was just the way it was delivered. Okay. It's one of those things where like when something leaves your mouth and then you know it's something dumb that you just said. (laughs) I worry that it's written in your notes. It is. I I smell bacon. Was that a a quote? (laughs) Because I'm not allowed to look things up. Yeah, but having written it down, it didn't. I tell you you every week. Tell you every week what year the movie was made. At the point you wrote it down, (laughs) it didn't occur to you that it. It's the same as it coming out your mouth. <laughs> Guys, look, let's just all agree that sometimes <laughs> we make mistakes. <laughs> Some more than others. They start rousing people. <laughs> They're looking for drugs. Tuck has snuck out. He drove off to hide his still because he's drunk as shit and thinks that that's what they're there for. No, he just enjoys the idea of pretending that he's... Pretending, yeah. Tuck's kind of... Tuck has an interesting He's having his own time. It's a raid. It's the cops from Bakersfield. Well, there's nothing to raid, Tuck. They were looking for something. I snuck out. I was afraid they'd find my still. I keep telling you, Tuck, wine's not illegal. Well... It's more exciting to think that it is. Tucky's on his own journey. Yeah, yeah. He finds Alan and Julie naked in the woods. Yeah. Because they got it on. And Leah's uh, at Julie. I the, mean, she stands there without covering herself for I like know. a way she too could, long a moment. She could duck back down. Yeah. <laughs> the cops find some weed and arrest one of the troop bagman. I can't believe that's all they found. <laughs> it is also like the 80s though. So like small town, it's more severe. Yeah, but I can't, oh, believe, can't believe that that's the only drug. Oh, uh, yeah. King Billy. It's clear after that. He also says yeah. later, like, get rid of the weight. Like, don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, you would think if you're living in that kind of commune, like, everyone's, it's a little, everyone's it's taking a something. Yeah. You know? Well, not King Billy. The cops want to make an informal bail agreement. Billy won't play. He'll go to jail. Yeah. If they take Bagman, they're taking him. Morgan tries to reason with him, but <laughs> Billy just cannot be reasoned with. Is Bagman the name or is that his title? It's his, it's his nickname. Right. Yeah. Right. There are so many fucking people in this movie. So many people just had a line it, and, and I you don't, don't know who I they don't are. I names for people. Yeah. Like I just, normally I like able to f- like go through the credits and then match up an actor's face and then go, oh, oh that would have been torture for this. Right. I didn't even fucking try. If I yeah. Because I was just like, is that the same person that I saw before? Or is that a different <laughs> night? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who people are. There's too yeah. many people. There really is. Small town jails can get really uncomfortable with all those lead pipes and stuff. Oh, and Billy wants to go to jail, so they take him. Fucking, first of all, we're not we're not at that yet. That's a, no, no, no. But that's a that's a loyal fucking strong move by yeah. King Billy. Like yeah. I don't agree with a lot of King Billy's policies, but like, hey, if he's willing to do that for your boy, like, yeah. I'll have his back. Morgan argues that they're going to save five hundred bucks now and lose two thousand bucks for blowing the next show. Which yeah, it's actually reasonable. And then he's Lynette, a pragmatist, man. Lynette actually just takes control. They're not going to miss the next show. They're leaving. Billy had told them to wait. 
But yeah. she's like, no, we're going. We're, we're, we're going to go. Again, reason why she should be the one leading. Yeah, so they're moving on to the next town, Lawrence. Merlin and Alan are going to stay back to make sure that Billy and Bagman are, are okay. And they are not because no. Billy watches and screams as cops beat the shit out of Bagman in retribution. This is... This is quite the scene for Ed Harris. I, I, he fucking swings for the fences, like, while he's, like, swinging on the bars, right? Yeah. Mm. And I don't know if it quite hits. Like, I think this is great. You reckon? This is harrowing. Yeah. It is. This is, this is, this is Stallone being, like, hit with the hose in the first in the first Rambo okay. movie. Like, it's just harrowing. You're just seeing somebody be degraded. He's, he's going nuts. He's going nuts. And I have respect for what the swing was. And I'm just like, I wasn't sure. But he also has this moment of real softness mm-hmm. where he's like, just stop hitting him, man. Yeah, yeah. And Ed Harris just really does, like, I never realized until this point, but he has, in a lot of his roles, he's a strong man, but he has this, like, really soft touch to him in a lot of his scenes. Yeah, he doesn't really get a chance to, to do that very often. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he has, he has it, definitely in his range. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Billy relents. He'll pay them if they stop. And then Bagman just laughs. They just, just cracks up laughing. Yeah. I get the feel that this dude's, like, fucking been... Jack Kerouac on the road kind of shit. Like. Yeah, I don't think it's the first time he's... Well, as we yeah. find out, it's not the first time he's taken a bit. Yeah. Merlin, Julie, and Alan are trying to track down the sheriff so they can sort all this shit out. They get a lead from an old lady that Julie knows that he's gone fishing 60 miles off. Alan and Julie jump on his bike to go find him. Pippin and Angie argue, and Pippin is now hardcore questioning his sexuality. Mm. She, He kind of, like, fights back at Angie. Like, Angie lets Morgan cheat whenever he wants. And then they do end up kind of making up. And they find Steve, who is their lawyer slash advance man. Just mm. on the road. Who is just another motorcycle guy. Yeah. He's like he's like a character. He's like he's like a character out of out of Easy Rider. Mm. Like that guy is out of Easy Rider. He's a lawyer, but he's given up all that lawyer and stuff to follow this troop around and help him out when they get into legal trouble. Yeah, but he also doesn't stay there the whole time. He goes, no, he goes and goes, goes and, yeah. and he sets, well, he's like I said, advanced man. So he's going yeah. to the next town and making a deal for them to be able to use a fairground or whatever. Their, their dialogue while they're in the car. I love the bit where he's like, you let um, Morgan stoop whoever he wants. Oh, yeah. And then Angie goes, stoop. I love that. That's so real. When someone you're talking to, like uses a word and then it's like, why did you use that word? Why, yeah. why, why that word? <laughs> why that word? <laughs> Sheriff is pretty pissed. He chews out the cops as Bagman and Billy are released and Billy just cannot fucking help himself. He threatens the, the cop and has to be dragged out and tells the cop, I'm going to wipe you out. <laughs> I'm going to wipe you out, man. Yeah. See, again, like his anger, he's, he's uncontrolled, like violence here. Like he's such a, he's so, he's so good, calm and like, that level angry in, in his roles mm. that when he does go for the swing for the fences, I don't know if he's not hitting the mark. I think for me, it's just weird to see him doing that. I think it's probably more dynamic than he, you think about it like men in black as the, as his second William, it's pretty like one level. He, he doesn't get to play the, he doesn't get to play the, the variances, you know? Yeah. I mean? But he dynamic. can carry such, he can carry such menace and anger mm. with, out moving his face at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's all yeah. eyes, man. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, for sure. Stern is yes. the word that yes. comes to mind. At Julie's parents' place, she is packing up in her room as Alan drinks a glass of juice that I think was giving to him very grudgingly <laughs> out of some type of we live in a polite society. Yeah. But I would prefer it if you didn't steal my daughter. Yeah. Her mother thinks it's all her fault that Julie's leaving. 
And she breaks down after they go. Yeah, she's running away. She's yeah. running away to join the circus. The black eye and like the implied domestic violence yeah. is unnecessary. Well, I think I think she can have motivation to run away without it being as serious as that because when she is crying in the kitchen, that fucking brought me so down, man. I felt yeah. so bad for her mom. There's a few moments like that. Because I like immediately started thinking, what's going to happen to her when the father comes back and the daughter's actually gone? Like I was, that's I where my mind went. It got dark. I don't know. And the text doesn't tell us. Yeah. So Billy's pissed that everybody left without him. Merlin's kind of had enough of his shit for the time being. and kind of sets him straight. We need to go to the next show. Yeah. And then we see a montage of the setup of the next fair in Lawrence. It's an impressive setup. Yeah. Well, Piven and Angie are stapling up posters. They meet Sheila, who is a news reporter, although we never see her doing that job, so <laughs> I don't buy it. Yeah. Her photographer, Judy. And? A slimy agent, Joe Bontempi. It means good time in Italian. Who the fuck is this man? I know I've seen him in this exact role. Well, Bontempi mostly books Vegas. That is Man Ferrero. He is Gennaro. The lawyer eaten by a T-Rex off a toilet in Jurassic Park. Oh <laughs> my god! Thank you. <laughs> Fuck. He that has is one of my killing me. He has one of my favorite lines in Jurassic Park, which is maybe it's the power trying to come back on. <laughs> just like one uh, I just fucking it makes me laugh. Every I time. never realized the silliness of that line until now. Bon Tempe. Uh, Sheila, what have you, are looking for Billy because they want to do a story on him. Mm. And Steve set all this up. Judy is uh, into Tuck, who's just finished paying for the local permits. I mean, Tuck seems like a good time. (laughs) Morgan rolls up and he is into fame. So he is into Sheila. Mm. The troupe parades through the main street to promote their show and to sell tickets. Watching the parade is a young Native American kid who will come back later. Steve catches up with Merlin, Billy and Bagman. Merlin wants to camp out for the night, but Billy wants to take Steve's bike and go meet with the others. He's like, I've got to be there. I've got to be in charge. Mm. That night, Steve tells Billy that he isn't big enough to get them to their next level, but Bon Tempe is. And that if they go with Bon Tempe, they do three or four big shows a year with him in the summer. They can do whatever the fuck they want for the rest of the year. He should be running the show. Like the lawyer fucking well, has the vision. He's not the king, though. Yeah, and he's not he's not living by the code. <laughs> yeah, not, I know, yeah, like I know. It ruins, the, like, ruins the point of the whole thing. But that's the thing, like, the people who are going to be leading this at any point in this movie do not have the, like, clarity of vision or the, like, strength of character to really be doing it. It's the lawyer, it's the queen, and it's fucking Alan. They're the three who really should be leading. Well, they could be running... Not leading. Yeah, okay. You need, like, the thing about it is, is that if they're going to live by the code, they need to live by the code. Yeah, very true. They need a king to challenge and things like that. Billy's whole point is, like, you need that charismatic leader. Yeah. In order to keep everybody. In order to sway people to the cult. Because otherwise, (laughs) there is no code. (laughs) Yeah. Steve yells at Billy about how lost in the clouds he is, that money makes the world go round and he needs to accept that. Mm. Billy monologues back at him that he can fucking keep his money. Bagman tells a story about getting beat up in another jail and Merlin starts playing along with his harmonica to the story. <laughs> Does that a few times. Mm. Once I was in a jail in Alabama and I got my ass kicked just like I did last night, only then it was because I was a nigger lover. Well, I woke up in the morning... And I didn't even have energy enough to lick my wounds. I found out I'd given up. 
So I tried to kill myself. <coughs> tried to cut my wrist with a bed spring. <laughs> See, I found out that I'd given up on it all because of where I was, what was all around me. Well, last night, I get my ass kicked. I came up laughing because now I'm in Camelot. <coughs> See, the way I see it is this. You got two separate fights. The one for truth and justice and the American way of life and all that. That's got to take a back seat to the one for staying alive. You got to stay alive. Man, you can have the most beautiful ideals in the whole world, but if you die, your ideals are going to die with you. The important thing is we got to stay together. We got to keep the truth together. And if keeping the troop going means that we have to take some of this promoter's money, well, then I say let's take it and get some sleep. I love in these movies where there is, like, very, like, where there's just characters who can't see outside of their characters, if that makes sense, yeah. who they are, who are, who they are on the page. I love when there's a character in movie that is the rational voice that can see outside the page almost mm. and can have that little element of real world. But they never fucking listen to it. It's so frustrating. <laughs> well, that's a different movie. Yeah. It's a less interesting movie. Yeah, that's real world. It's probably a, like a <laughs> shorter a movie. movie, but less interesting. <laughs> yeah. Late at night, Billy is still up, pensive, looking at the fire, and he ends up throwing Bon Tempe's card into the fire. Bon Tempe's card is shaped like a bullet. Yeah. Because it's silver bullet entertainment. But I was like, is. is there, is there, are we reading into it being called no. the silver bullet? Because no. the silver bullet ends things, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up Bagman and rants at him that he can't break the code. And then he takes Steve's bike and rides off into the night, clear eyed, mm. as a man on a mission. I feel like there must be a happy middle ground where they can get make more money so that they can all stay, but not have to sell out to this guy who is you are selling out if you sign with this particular guy. But that's the thing. You don't have to go and do these big fucking constant shows that he's selling to Morgan, but you can go and do what the lawyer said and Bagman said and you go do one or two but bon, and that sets you but up. But bon is the devil. Yeah. Like yeah. he tempts you with the yeah. with the one and then the next thing you know, you're doing <laughs> a fucking devil. you're doing a stadium show in Vegas. Yeah, true. Yeah. Right? Like there's no that's there's you're doing, no you're doing a you're doing a photography shoot in underwear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Doc and Julia naked eating pizza, fucking around in the back of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> I love this shit. Something that confused me as a child. Why are they <laughs> naked and have pizza? That's the best way to have pizza. Mm, no. <laughs> Cheese gets everywhere. <laughs> Billy's back and he's in bad shape because he rode through the entire night and he's bleeding from his shoulder. Yeah. He's always bleeding from his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, because he's never let it heal. Yeah, but they should bandage it better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Merlin is a doctor. I don't think he's doing very good doctoring. Okay. I think he gets distracted by telling stories. Yeah. Billy walks into a council meeting, which should not be happening. One of the jewelers is complaining that the knights have it better than everybody else. And Billy's like, if you don't like the way things are, they can get the fuck out. Yeah. And they're not allowed to have a council meeting without everybody being there. But he, the line. He the, finds a guy <laughs> and then a bunch of them just leave. Finds like the a guy $20, yeah. It's a $20 fine. The line how he's like, do you think people come here to buy your fucking stupid necklaces? No, they come to see us perform. I was like, A, like some probably come for the necklaces <laughs> and B, like you're an asshole. <laughs> you're a 
you're a fucking asshole. Thing is, you're, he also, he you want take, this, he's living the gimmick. He's committed but to he, it. He but in. he wants this to be a nice like yeah. com- community, and he's the one hushing the vibe. I think. Well, he's in a bad mood because he kind of just runs in and starts yelling at them, and I think mm. he would have yelled at them no matter what they were talking about. He's also he because what they were actually talking about in the moment that he then it bumps into them is that the knights are breaking too much stuff and it's mm. costing too much money. And, he and we need and we need and jail. we need to try to um and we need to try to not break as many things is kind of the point that is made before he goes, yeah. if you don't like it, blah da, da 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 So it's like he didn't actually hear what were, what they were discussing. He just saw that they were discussing anything without him yes. and was pissed off. And also yeah. he's also really annoyed that he gave an order and it was not followed. Yeah, like true. They, he told them to stay where they were. There is a perfect storm there for him to be an asshole, but yeah, he absolutely. is still being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's probably just not entirely his actual opinion in terms of like the the, the stupid necklace. Yeah, yeah you just you, you got to him at the wrong time. At the wrong yeah. time, right? So he goes. He's like, "Where the fuck is everybody? Where the fuck is Tuck?" And so he goes looking for Tuck and finds him with Judy. Uh, it does not go well. He takes their pizza, took away their pizza, and throws it at Bon Tempe. <laughs> I didn't know what is that white jacket, man. That's fucking rough. Bontempi can suck it. Yeah. But again, people in this moment have fucking really good points, like all the way up until this point. And even Bontempi, he's like, man, I'm just here to fucking like try and give you business. Like I'm not the devil yet. You know what I mean? No, he's he's already the devil. (laughs) Sheila cackles. uh, They don't need Billy. Morgan is much better looking. (laughs) Camelot's coming apart and Billy is coming undone. It can't be done. His dream, his code. He and Lynette argue as Billy's shoulder is real bad. She believes in him and loves him, not his dream. She knew it couldn't be done two years ago, but she's still there. But maybe not because of him anymore. New fair. Fair too. There's some trouble because some of the bikers that have shown up for the skill thing later have made their own armor. (laughs) Yeah. This gets so messy. This is what happens when it gets publicized that this is what they're they're doing. Uh... Draws in a bad element. Interesting. Totally what's happening. Bon Tempe is going to start making bookings for Morgan and his riders and however many that Morgan can recruit. Morgan's done with the troop after today. Alan and Julie catch up with the troop and he has a run in with the photographer, Judy, as he's trying to talk to Boars. Yeah, because she does not like, he's trying to have a conversation and she's like taking Snap photos like yeah. this far from his face. And <laughs> being being the person who's held the camera, like I can commiserate, but at the same time, like he just asked politely, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you not do what you're doing? Yet? Yeah. Half the group's leaving and so is he, meaning boars. It's over. They won't make it to the next town, which is Broward. There's just no, there's no money left. Like mm. they're, they're on the, it's on the uh, downward slide. Morgan kind of holds a little court of his own, trying to recruit people to join him because he's going to form his own kingdom. Angie tells him that he didn't win a crown. He has no right to call himself a king and says he doesn't want Billy's crown. It's a crown of thorns. He's going to make his own. If he sticks around, sticks with the troop, and it ends, he's fucked, Morgan, because he's a trade school dropout. Yeah. You get the sense that these people didn't have a lot of other places to go before yeah. they found the, found the troop. The only one who'd probably still be good is uh, the mechanic and, like, maybe the blacksmith. Angie, yeah. yeah. Angie's staying and tells Morgan he'll be back. Billy and Lynette watch the games as the crowd cheers, but they are clearly not. <laughs> wait, wait, have we gotten to the point where she calls him a bastard? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, and he's like, I, I'm I'm too much of a bastard anyway. And then the dude next to him, like, gently touches his face, like, lovingly. <laughs> did you not see that? Uh, uh, yeah, I probably did. But. <laughs> Super, way too soft and loving. Yeah. Like, it was meant to be, like, a joke, like, oh, you're not a bastard. But, like, he did it, like, tenderly. <laughs> yeah, would you not? 
I mean, I would. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Especially that guy. He's so weirdly attractive. Tom Savini is like strangely hot. So hot. I don't know what it is about him. His face is just, not, I'm not about that haircut. Kira just but like he has a sexual. He has a sexual energy. He has a sexual energy to him. Yeah, it's weird. I just, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you were in charge of the recapping, you would have just moved on. <laughs> yeah. The games are rough today. People are playing with a little bit of extra vigor in their mm. uh, motorcycle. Well, because they're leaving. Yeah. Also, just just to point out the awkwardnesses of this whole sequence of the crowd that are watching and cheering. They're extras, man. They're I know, but they're anything. so funny. There's there's so some of them are way too into Yeah. <laughs> and did you see like- Some of the cutaways, a- it's like that you, they've clearly been told to, to cheer and yeah. they, they went a bit hard for what's happening in the actual scene that they're cutting between. Yeah. <laughs> it's independent filmmaking. And yeah. the shirtless guys as well that are just like all shirtless and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're muscular like men. That, this kind of thing happens in, in all movies with crowds. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny when it's... Yeah. Fuck, man. I, as I said, I watched Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Mm. And in Dawn of the Dead, some of them are fucking zombies, man. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just people. Just like, it's just I mean, like it's we don't thing. have anybody. We're just using whoever. It's the same thing as like when you watch like a big sword fight type um, army thing and then, yeah. then somebody's like fighting nobody and just falls down. It's or like, um, what's his name in Prince of Darkness running around with the loungers, not actually doing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just movement for the sake of movement. Yeah. It just, I think it, you notice it more, you notice it in this particular sequence because I wrote a note about it too. I think it's because there's actual close-ups of yeah. people being way too into something. That, so like, much. When not a lot is actually happening <laughs> in the, like the moment, like the thing we just saw was not what that the Supposed to, yeah. yeah. Well, it's because you're trying to build narrative out of pieces of material, yeah. that were filmed with non with non professionals. Yeah. Because, you, because you're trying to work towards the end the end goal of the thing that he's trying to do that Romero's trying to do in this sequence. Yeah. And a lot of the a is, lot of the cutaways of the crowd were probably also shot for bigger parts of the yeah. performance, and then they've what he's trying to show is that what he's trying to show is that the crowd are into the bloodlust. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the crowd are like that getting into tracks. it. The more violent, it, the more violent it gets. That like definitely the, tracks. That's in getting sequence. out of control. The the crowd element is what is part of what's getting out of control. Yeah. So the final match for today's tourney will be Sir Van versus Sir Rocky. They start before the king even drops his flag. Like the king is like ready, hold yeah. his flag, and they just get into they get into it. And there's kind of rebellion everywhere. Like it's falling apart. The music guy starts playing disco which the crowd are really into. Pippin walks off stage. Billy ends up asking him to, to stay. And one of the other members of the troupe, and I never caught this guy's name because there's so many fucking cast members, says that he will go up instead of Pippin. But Pippin does, in fact, go up and start emceeing. This is cute for Pip. It is, I love, yeah. I love this guy. I'm so happy he gets it, yeah. He's the only one that gets a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> Billy goes into the van and turns off the disco tunes. The crowd chants music, <laughs> music, music as Rock and Van continue to fight and they're fighting like they're going to kill each other. Rocky ends up winning, knocking down so Van, but because of the discontent, no one is there to take down the ghost bike of Sir Van, oh, which yeah. goes straight for a child in a pram. This is great. And it misses, but hits the child's mother and she is wrecked. Yeah. She, they show her fucking flexed yeah like uh, there's a cut so i think it's done in like it's done in like three different pieces yeah so there i can kind of see the the piece the edit the how it's been cut together but it's cut together so well that it feels like you're seeing it in one shot what i'm impressed by is the shot of her on the ground Mm. and like she's clearly just laying there you know this type of movie you can tell she's just laying there and like pretending to be hurt but like the quality and the way that they've got her pose, like, actually makes her look hurt. 
Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of blood. Yeah. The bikers start causing, the ones with their own armor, start causing trouble, and it just goes into a kind of free-for-all. Morgan and his boys decide it's time to play. So he comes to the rescue, which is dope. He also just wants to join in the the chaos, right? Billy ends up, is just sitting in the music van sulking, and the crowd fucking loves it. Rocky kicks some ass. There's some gnarly stunts in this this sequence. And then the other troop member, whose name we never find out, asks Pippin to be his lover. And he yells yes into the microphone on accident. <laughs> Amazing. Were we just married on the radio? That's <laughs> Pippin's line. Most of the bikers are trounced and kind of start to bug out. As Billy exits his the van, despondent, he sees a biker with a black bird crest on his armor and he accepts the challenge. So up until now, this has just been the fucking biggest mess of a sequence. You know what I mean? Like shit is like everywhere all the stunts are like pretty mm. hectic but in terms of like what's kind of happening i know it's meant to show that this is fucking like basically civil unrest like this is a revolt yeah but like it was i had no idea what was going on and then when i saw blackbird i was like oh okay now things are going to line up perfectly again yeah so it's the native american kid that we saw in the parade now the credits refer to him as the Indian, which yes. I will not be doing for the run of this episode. Saw that. I will refer to him as Blackbird instead, because Same. I do refer to him as Blackbird throughout the throughout the, the film. Alan offers to fight him, but Billy has been waiting for this guy. So he mounts up. Alan tries to get Blackbird to fight him, tries to provoke Blackbird, but he won't. So he challenges Billy instead. Yeah. <laughs> so he wants to fight Billy. And Billy just takes Alan out. He just keeps standing up and getting battered down. And then he makes him yield. Yeah. I thought he, he, Alan's a punk. <laughs> like he ain't good. <laughs> and you want him to be everyone. in charge. Well, I'm saying he's the most level headed and clear cut of like the, uh, has the ideal. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So we get Billy versus Blackbird. And then we also see Rocky check on Van and Merlin, who was helping the Hope Mother get into the ambulance and they come back. Mm. There's motorcycle debris all over the ground. Like there's nobody there to clear the field, which is normally what happens when somebody yeah. gets knocked down. So they're having to avoid it all. Billy ends up knocking Blackbird off his bike and then he collapses as he gets off his his own bike and walks towards him, asking him to yield. And we see, yeah, blood from his shoulder drip down. Love that. Drip that down was a nice touch. His blade and onto the crest of the Blackbird before he does just kills over. He falls over. So the dream was that the Blackbird was going to come and take him down. The Blackbird... Is his destiny. Mm. So he makes the assumption that it's going to take him out. Right. But Merlin says it's his destiny. Merlin says it's his destiny. It's his destiny. Right. The big D. Yep. Okay. So, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I, yeah, again, the, the sword dripping the blood from whenever that effect is done, like the blood coming from the hero as they're like dying basically, but yeah. still winning. I always love that. As the sun sets, people have left and Alan tells Lynette that he needs to just take a ride to clear his head and he and Julie leave. And another guy goes with them. And I don't know who the fuck that guy is. <laughs> we find out his name when we get introduced to the random baby. Do we? Yep. You wrote his name down. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, because it was really weird. Okay, sure. <laughs> Everyone's sad, and there is no song around the fire tonight. Lynette, Steve, Merlin, and Blackbird sit talking with the king. They find out the woman's going to be okay. Oh, uh, no, we don't get his name. He he comments on the kid being called Morgan. Yes. 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 And everyone's very concerned about Billy. 
Well, they should be. Yeah. This is the point when I realised there was still a fucking hour to go. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was the end, people. I thought this was the fucking end. I was like, oh, this is like a bittersweet. Everyone's kind of leaving. The good terms are over. They're going to go find their own way. Your traditional three-act structure does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> Oh, fucking weird, man. It's great, though. Uh, yeah, fucking, I'm here for it. Second question about this scene. Sure. Does Blackbird know he's Blackbird? Like, what is Blackbird? Who is Blackbird? How does he know I think what's he might just on? be a kid who wants to join the yeah. Renaissance Fair, but I don't think he understands his significance no, no, no. in this plot. We're in, we're in dangerous territory here. With, is he just is he just a with magical a, with brown a, person yeah, following that's, that's a where, white person needed a spiritual journey? Yeah, we're kind right. of in that space, Okay, right? okay. We are kind of in that space. Yeah, I think that's probably what they the, were trying to do. It's not even the first just, mythical brown know, person that he has because he already has Merlin. And this one doesn't even have any lines. I'd be, I'd be feeling fucking bad for Blackbird. It is a little bit, but it, yeah, I don't know. I had a, I didn't read it that way. I read it that the kid, same as many others before him, saw the thing and wanted, to join, jo- wanted to join and yeah. wanted to follow Billy. Yeah, he follows Billy, not the not the the fair yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, in the okay, same way the little kid idolizes Billy, in the same way I'm sure Alan, when he first joined, yeah. idolized Billy. I, I, that's how I read it. Okay, but. That probably wasn't how it was written. And also, Let's read it that way. That's a better read. <laughs> and also, is Billy having magical visions? No, he's having dreams. He's <laughs> well, blood loss. Yeah, okay, true. Yeah, true. It depends on how much you buy into his gimmick. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> he's having visions? Yeah, okay. Do you not know he's... I mean, we don't know he's not having visions. Yeah, he is King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, he is King Arthur. Yeah. We follow Alan Julie and unnamed member of the troupe. They visit with an old friend, uh, his wife and kids. And I think that the guy is an ex-member of the troop. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. Somebody who got away from the life. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, Morgan is enjoying At first I thought that they were Alan's family. Same. But he obviously was clued into the whole existence of the, the fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then... And he doesn't like call him dad or anything, so I yeah. then decided that's probably not it. But when they first sort of greeted each other and everything, it felt like, oh, I've gone home. Well, it feels I want like that fucking cabin in the woods, though. It feels like family. Yeah. yeah. Right. Somebody who understands. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan's enjoying being a kept man, smoking <laughs> weed and swimming. Give me dope. <laughs> Sheila, Judy, and Tuck. Bon Tempe arrives and they talk a little bit a little bit of shop. They've sorted out new armor and bikes for him. Their new armor and so bikes terrible. are so lame. It's so bad. It's later. Yeah, we'll I know, but okay. yeah. I was, I was hoping for something much yeah. better than yeah. what they got. He also needs him to sign some documents, you know, waivers, things that Morgan wouldn't really be, be interested in and, and Morgan's not because he just walks away. He goes inside to get lucky with Sheila. <laughs> but yeah. he thinks that they need to get rid of Tuck because Tuck is a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, he kind of is. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, Morgan gets a surprise. Uh, Sheila's man is coming back. Yeah. She doesn't own this house. Well, I love that, like, he got a bit of a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you, you're you not as special to someone as you've... You are not going to keep me in this. Yeah. And you're not going to keep me the way I would like to be kept yeah. in this palace. I have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And then the photo shoots. Yeah. Morgan... Oh, didn't hate it. Morgan is... <laughs> Morgan did. But Morgan is being photographed like he's trying to take Burt Reynolds' spot and issue a play goal. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, look up Burt Reynolds' play goal. I, I know the photo. Yeah, I know the yeah. photo. Uh, you and know then- why Brody knows that photo? <laughs> I know it because it's a famous photo. But I'm not about Burt Reynolds, to be No, honest. but don't you remember? Don't no? you remember the many, many, many times that Ken changed your desktop? 
background <laughs> oh, yeah. to that picture whenever you were out of the office. I can't believe that you forgot about it. I that. forgot. Holy shit. So many times. Oh, my fucking God. There was so many. I can't Fuck believe. Man, I can't believe you didn't report me to HR. <laughs> <laughs> and by HR, I mean. Probably you. Probably me. Yeah. <laughs> um, holy fuck. There's so many things I've forgotten about the torment that Kenny used to do in the office. Yep. And, <laughs> and this is where I'm going to finally talk about Tom Savini. Yes, please. Because he is a legend for mm. more than one reason. He's only really a part-time actor. He's not even really an actor. He had a renaissance like five years ago, maybe. Oh, he just keeps keeps on going. He's still yeah. going. Yeah. So he is one of the greatest special effects makeup artists of all time. Wow. Okay. I know that you didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Growing up, he was obsessed with Lon Chaney Jr., who was the original Wolfman, and he would make his own makeups and masks and stuff huh. just out of stuff around the house, whatever he could get his hands on. He grew up in an era where his number was drawn and he ended up going to Vietnam where no. he was a combat photographer and saw a lot of really gnarly shit. His job was to photograph the destruction of both, as he says, of both equipment and bodies. Wow. Okay. And he would use all wow. that shit as inspiration when he came back to create some of the greatest gore effects you have ever seen in cinema, including Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, for which he created the zombies yeah, and, and the makeup effects. And also acts as a biker in Dawn of the Dead. He's one of the bad guys in yeah. Dawn of the Dead that uh, break into the mall. He worked on the original Friday the 13th. Yeah. He created Child Jason. Oh, that jumps right. out of the lake. Huh. And all the kill effects, all the gore effects in that movie. Movie's called Maniac, The Prowler, Creep Show. He also worked on Friday the 13th. The final chapter, he killed off Jason the first time that Jason was killed off because it didn't stick. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. He was an actor in that, was he? In Friday the 13th? No. No, in Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I don't know. Two. Oh. The second I don't one? Know. The second one is wild. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a comedy. <laughs> okay. It is to Texas Chainsaw Massacre what Evil Dead is to Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Mad, okay. Yeah. And most recently, he's worked on tons of stuff. Most recently, he created the mask of the Grabber in this year's hit horror movie, The Black Phone. Oh, that uh, that mask stopped me watching that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. That yeah. movie, and that movie is based on a, uh, is an adaptation of a novel by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Wow. There you go. As an actor, Brody knows him as Sex Machine in From Dust Till Dawn. Yes, he is. He's the guy with the dick and balls gun. Mm-hmm. He's fucking amazing. Do you remember that? I have no memory of this whatsoever. Okay. Oh, man. Dust Till Dawn have is Have like I definitely seen it? Yeah, brain. you've seen From Dust Till Dawn. Okay. It's uh, Quentin Tarantino as an actor with George Clooney at the Titty Twist of the Vampire Bar. Oh, I did not know that, that was the name of that movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Yes. He's in that. He's in that movie, which he's is amazing. where you know from. He's in lots of stuff. Planet Terror. Oh yeah, Planet Terror. Yeah, he's great in that. I didn't write down every movie he's in. He's also in like he's also in Lost Boys of the Tribe, the straight to DVD oh sequel God. to the Lost Boys. Yeah, which he's in the opening sequence of that, and it's like he's the best thing in that movie. <laughs> Here's Mr. Callahan, the shop teacher in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, I haven't oh. seen that. Is that a good movie? Yes. He is too. That's a character shift. Yeah. And that as a, is a character shift. And as a director, he directed the 1990 version of Night of the Living Dead. Hey. Oh, shit. Which Just, Romero produced. I didn't realise until this list was pulled out in front of me and his life was pulled out in front of me, but he's 
a fucking hero. And Absolutely. I love this man way more than I thought I did. He is currently 76 years old. Wow. And he is even more jacked now than he is in this movie. Fuck yes. <laughs> At Fuck 76. Yes. He is living his best life. He's still okay. sex machine. I fucking love Tom Savini. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Tom Look up a photo of him now. Oh, yeah, that's a great call. <laughs> yes, Kieran. He posts, I'm pretty sure every year on his birthday, he posts pictures of him, like, shirtless jacked on his Instagram. Just to. Just to show, this is what I still got. <laughs> well, good for him. 73. 76. 76. <laughs> Way less hairy. Yeah, a little less hairy. This is him on his 73rd birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's a fucking unit. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Is he naked with the cake? Yeah. He has those kind of abs that like aren't defined down the middle, but are defined down the side. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Tom Savini rules. Yeah. Oh, he, he's done it for like every birthday. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what the fuck? He's such a, he's such a fucking He legend. was jacked at 60. Look at that. Yeah. Holy fuck. He has rocked that fucking uh, goatee his whole entire oh, he's, life. He, I don't think he's ever not had that goatee. I think he was fucking born with it. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? He's so good. We have to get back to talking about the movie. You can Google, we have to? You can Google birthday photos of Tom Savini in your own time. <laughs> Hopefully there's some with the cake move. Naked. Well, only a cake. <laughs> Looking respectfully. <laughs> I've just realized what I should make my next baseball card out of. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I should no. make Tom Savini in the night right in the silvery. Yes. <laughs> with the cape into it into a baseball card. Yes. Okay. And also Burt Reynolds with that dick out. Oh. <laughs> the shoot is not going well. The other knights are laughing at him. Well, why wouldn't you? Because he does look a little silly on his silvery, glittery throne. Yes. Yeah. Night Riders. Tuck gets into it with Bontempi about why Judy isn't shooting this. <laughs> I love Bontempi's like, well, it's studio work. She doesn't really do student. She's like, I've done studio work. Yeah. It's like, well, it's because you're Judy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's because, yeah, he makes up some reasonable yeah. excuse. And Sheila's man shows up to greet Sheila and Morgan glowers at him, like shoots daggers at him. Mm. And the photographer loves it. The photographer's like, this is your best work. Yeah. <laughs> and then back with, with our troop, they haven't left. They decided to basically pay the rent and stay there for as long as they can, which yeah. is obviously not going to earn them more money. It's a terrible mm. plan. But it's in the hopes that their friends come their back. Their friends will come back. And Billy walks around through the camp being a sad boy, coming across randos left, right and centre. Yeah. He comes across a musician who's playing a guitar and singing a song and he just sits quietly and kind of chats with him. Well, to begin with, he just kind of sits and watches him and then when the guy realises he's there, he kind of stops singing. Yeah, also like Blackbird, what's he doing, man? He's like starting to act like he's like... Uh, uh, Billy's like personal security, just like always walking like ten meters behind, and he's in the cult. He's, it's weird. He's following his 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 hero. Yeah, he's definitely in the cult. The musician who is the guy that really sings that song. He wrote and sings that song. His name is Donald something or other. I didn't write down his last name. He's credited in the end credits. Okay, he's very good. Yeah, he doesn't think that that everybody's going to come back. I love the sound in the back half of the movie where there's almost constantly a storm. There's almost constantly thunder in the back half. Does it start from now? It starts from now. Oh, I didn't pick it up until later. It's beautiful. The sound design is really, really beautiful. I love a thunder. That's so well love thought a out. thunderstorm in a, in a movie. And Billy asked him to play the song for him, but the song's not finished, but he'll play it for him one day. And he will play it for him one day. Mm. Alan is pensive as he watches Julie down by the river. He's the... <laughs> 
they're having a him and the people that he's hanging out with and the guy whose name we don't know are all having a conversation. Yeah. Talking about heroes and villains and anti-heroes and the wife is like not into Billy's thing. Yeah. Which might be why the other guy left to begin with. Mm. So it feels like there's some back, backstory there. Mm. And Alan is kind of just having this revelation that, yeah. wow, I now have this essentially child <laughs> yeah. hanging on to me. Well, it's, it's the visual cues in this movie are all throughout the movie are really, really great. But I think it shows really strongly in this because they're looking down mm. on her who's separated from like the adults. Yeah. But she's also written Alan in a love heart yeah. after like it's kind obviously child, hasn't been of, that long. Child like, yeah. yeah. We get a Brando impersonation, which I don't know why that is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and Julie wants to party because she's bored. And Alan just is like, I got to go. As soon as I heard we should I, party or something, I was like, I know what's about to happen. I got to yeah. go. He's got something to do. And that He's something good. to do is that drop Julie back at her parents' place. Yeah. yeah. And she. He's got, he's got him. He wants to do important code stuff. He yeah. doesn't want to <laughs> party and adventure with, yeah. the, with random. He's got to go fight for his king. Yeah. yeah like. <laughs> She's broken up and doesn't understand. And he makes no effort to explain it. He just goes, yeah, I know. And then he writes off. Yeah. It's fucking heartbreaking. But see, the funny thing is, is that the Julie that's shown in this sequence and like doing the Alan in the love heart is totally different from the Judy, Julie at the start is. of the film. She's all excited and excitable and, and she's and she's into it. And she's, Maybe when we first meet her, but like she's like, she goes and finds the sheriff with him. She goes and has the solution to the problem. Like, I think she's just on the ride, man. I think she's just on that. She's a kid that's on the adventure. Mm. And when they're doing finding the sheriff thing, like that's her town. So she would True. know who to go to. Like it's not like she. it's that difficult for her yeah. to have a connection. I mean, her father's been arrested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Has her father been arrested? I mean, have you met her father? No. Well, I thought that might have been a detail it's that not, I missed. It's not in, no. the, in the text, not in the but text. I mean, so you like, can read it from the text. There's no okay. way that man has not been drunk and disorderly. Yeah. There's like, no way that that man doesn't drink and drive. See, yeah. yeah I just feel like she, I feel like putting her back in the house of domestic abuse was like something that was just put straight over. You know mm. what I mean? We're not even going to address it. We're going to say that there's a domestic abuse in this house and then we're going to take her away from it and then drop her straight back in it. I, I mean, this is an awful way to describe it, but it's just flavor text. Yeah, no, I get you. you. Know I, mean? I get you. And I understand that. I understand going, that's a really shitty thing to do in flavor text. And I agree with, and I agree it's with that. It's a weird but it's thing also to do. Not, it's also not Alan's, it's not his responsibility to save this girl. Yeah, True. Absolutely. He met her at a Ren fair and she just decided that she was staying. What I think and is, what I think is, is it's just, it hit me a bit weird because it shades Alan in a weird light. Yeah. And Alan if, if is he like a moral had half conversation with her, then that would have been better because maybe yeah. he would have dropped her off at a friend's house or something. Yeah, but yeah, um, or even made the love connection a little bit stronger with the queen because then you'd understand why. I think it's I real. Mean, strong. I think it's real yeah, obvious. Yeah, it's real strong. Strong. I know really? that you didn't see it. It's so obvious. From right really? Yeah, it's right there. Every uh, every time she looks at him, and she looks at him a lot. The movie. Cuts do you to think her. anything's actually happened between them or do they just like each other from afar but no, they can't be? I either. think they like each other from afar but they both know. They never said a word about it but they both know. And yes. Billy knows as well, which later on... Is clear. Is clear. Yeah. See, that... It's very funny for me because innocently enough, weirdly, because I'm not innocent, I was just like, oh, they're just like good friends. 
And like, because like, there's a level of responsibility there, like being that I high mean, up in is, the society. There, you know, there mm. is a level of innocence to it because they haven't, like, they're not cheating behind Billy's back. It's not yeah. adultery. It's not like all <laughs> of like, that. It's just that they are clearly meant to be together. I know. It's just, it's just. I get it. She's, she's, she's the queen that Lancelot takes, right? I get that. Mm. That's the arch- archetype. Doesn't take, but runs off with. Mm. And I like thought about it. And I still didn't see it coming because I have a note at the end, which like we spoiled already, like when he like pushes her to go to, to our Lancelot, I'm like, what's happening? Why is, are well, they together now? Doesn't push. No, but you know what he I mean? Just, like just let's go. He let's go. Yeah, yeah. Very true. I actually really love that moment. Uh, Morgan yeah. finds his knights trashing a hotel room and fighting each other in a what seems like it's probably a drug and booze filled orgy. There are some women in the room that are just like cowering on a bed. Yeah. The knights are just fucking each other up. He like leaves and goes sits outside because he's like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> and then very conveniently, Alan rides up straight to where he is. But see, I thought this was the moment where he was realizing, oh, I'm not fit to lead. I think it kind of is. I think that. It kind of is, but I think that within the next bunch of scenes, he realizes what it it needs to be to lead. Because yeah. I don't think that Morgan's going to be a bad leader. I, I think that at I this don't moment think so is, I think and this moment is him realizing that Billy's right and the code is better than that. That's an interesting world. read, and, and also that that's that, what he wants. He yeah. didn't want this. And as Alan tells him, there can only be one king, Morgan. You can't just split off and start over again whenever you want. Both know that inside. There can only be one king, one time. That's the law. Yes. Alan and the other guys are riding back, and joining them comes Morgan on his fancy new bike in his fancy cheaper <laughs> shit black armor. Yeah, it's I think so that's Bon Tempe. I also think that this is an independent movie made in the early eighties. Yeah, it's so clearly like foam. I know. <laughs> and car- when they when one gets knocked off later, it's not even foam. It's just like cardboard. <laughs> Yeah, like they're supposed to look like formidable compared to the other bikes, but the other bikes look like they're made of metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so all of Morgan's other knights end up joining them, and so do Tuck and Judy in the truck. Blackbird scarring the bones, reading the bones as Billy flagellates himself again in the river. Hmm. And then everybody's back, and it's a party. Lynette and Alan share a hug. They do. Morgan. See, this is the first moment where I was like, that was weird. Okay, Morgan kind of starts making up with Angie, but doesn't go all the way making yeah. up with Angie. And then he's like, "I've got to go to my primary romance." Yeah, I've got to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then they, he goes off to meet Billy with Alan, and they repledge to the king to do things his way. It's going to be Alan's knights with Alan fighting in Billy's place against Morgan and his knights for the crown. Yes. The way that Billy would want it. Now the Blackbirds there, they have an even team. Yes. Everybody gets back to work, fixing bikes, mending armor. Bon Tempe is pissed. It's grand larceny because yeah. <laughs> they've taken these bikes. And Steve tells him they'll have to wait and see who's king and then they can sort something out. But they're yeah. not going to sort anything out before, there's a new, before there's, they've settled the issue of kingliness. And that night everybody is feeling better, if not maybe nervous about what tomorrow might bring. Yeah. Pippin and his bow figure out the PA equipment. Morgan makes up with Angie because he needs a rider to, he needs his bike to be sorted out and somebody to drive hack for him. Yeah, but also he's had he's had a wake up about relationships and stuff. A little yeah, bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Blackbird's painting a crest on his motorcycle. 
because he will be joining. Yeah. And around a fire, Little John, Alan, Billy, and Morgan talk the terms of combat for tomorrow. No boundaries. They can go anywhere. What constitutes surrender? No surrender. But if you get knocked off your machine, you're out. So yeah. it's the dodgeball equivalent. <laughs> it's dodgeball rules. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? Does this not feel like, maybe because there's a little bit of manic craziness behind Ed Harris's eyes at this point, like looking into the fire kind of thing. But when they're discussing this, it feels like adult children playing knights, right? But Ed Harris also feels like that kid that would like convince kids to do dangerous things. <laughs> they're stuck in the lap. Yeah. <laughs> they are stuck in the they're lap. Stuck in the lap. They're fucking heavy stuck they're in the lap. They're way too deep in the yeah. lap. <laughs> so true. Steve apologizes to Billy because he feels like he's the cause of the fight of all this kind of drama because he brought Bon Tempe, brought the devil mm. in. Billy tells him it's not his fault. That morning before the battle, Billy knights the Black Knight. Yeah, that's cute. Everyone is gathered. I love the fog. It doesn't yeah. last very long because obviously it only lasted for the, that section of them filming. But basically on a foggy morning, everybody is gathered for, for the battle and there is no general public. This is just about the yeah. code and about who will be king. Keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. It's a lights out match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To bring it into wrestling tones. Although those are usually a crowd for those. It's an empty arena match. Yeah. Yep. Stadium stampede. <laughs> Billy and Lynette watch from the throne as the battle begins. Oh boy. I yeah. love that the um throughout this scene the character development and little arcs and little mm. friendship moments and like the difference between when they're angry and when they're they realize they love this and stuff. Yeah. Like it, it's it's subtle but it's there mean, all the way through. When they come off the field. No, even when they're on the field, like there's, yeah, the there's way that these they interact moments. with each other, it's interesting because you could play this, you could play the drama and the the um the drama and the conflict in this, right? I'm going to beat you, like like the way like the way that sport would treat it, right? Yeah, which is it's a competition, and I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to be the champion. Yeah, that's not what this is. This is joyous. Yeah, they are yeah. like they are like living their best lives like this is it this is as real as we can make it is, and you're talking about like the crowd watching and how no, everyone's the like people talking about on the, bikes. the people I, on the bikes i don't remember their faces there's, that there's much. a moment there's a moment where one of the black knights guys knocks one of the good guys off his bike and then gets him on the back of his bike and brings oh, him back. Oh, yeah, I love that. Like that's I love the, that's that. the most obvious one. But yeah. all the way through there's these moments like it starts with them being kind of more aggressive and we're, we're fighting. And then as it goes on, it's like they all come to an understanding that, no, this is our life. This is what we love. Yeah. We are doing the thing we love to the best of our ability because this isn't about a show. Yeah. We're actually doing this. That is reflected in the crowd though, I think Yeah, it's as well. in the crowd yeah. as well, but it's more interesting in the players. Yeah. That yeah. they're like that where they, like they're, they're kicking the shit out of each other, but also like care about each other yeah. and are having a good time and are smiling. And that's really good, subtle, but still on the surface character yeah. and development and story progression. Because yeah. it could be good Through guys. Through the action. Yeah, mm. because it could be good, good guys versus bad guys and it's yeah. not. It's, it's closer to wrestling in that, and I know they keep bringing that up, it's closer to wrestling in that it, it, it's a um, it's a live theatre show where people are just trying to do their absolute their absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I and think it also makes it so that, not to spoil the ending, but when we have our crowning, yeah. that's not 
that doesn't hit like, oh, shit, the bad guy one. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that specifically when we get to it because I, I fucking yeah. love that, right? Yeah. So, but there is a build-up as well. Yeah. yeah. So just, I did like, though, every time someone got knocked off, it was like, yeah, you did well kind of yeah. thing. I loved that, yeah. yeah. I'm going to hit some of the high points of the action, yeah, right? Cool. Because there is, it is a fantastic sequence, right? So the t- we begin with the two lines of knights charging at, charging at each other. Mm. And Alan's bike dies pretty early, making him a sitting duck. So Blackbird defends him, but then Morgan sees a chance and then Alan's knights cut him off. And so there's all this kind of dynamic of the- Yeah, of that was like a good bit of action. Yeah, get the bike going. Everybody's enjoying the show, even Bon Tempe. I love Blackbird wheeling, wheeling through a lance. Yeah. It's fucking great. I, I really love Bon Tempe enjoying it as well, how he gets the dust on him and then he gets up and he's just like, ah, and throws the dust away like, fuck it. He's wearing a justice hat. Yeah. Like, is Bon Tempe maybe going to join that life? Yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> like that, eh? I have a motorcycle question. Yeah, sure. With what happens to Alan's bike and the amount of times that they try to start that bike, yes. yeah. would, in reality, mm-hmm. they have flooded the engine? Possibly. Uh, possibly, possibly not. Okay. It depends. It depends on the Because I know with cars, that's a thing. Yeah, you can flood. You, with a kickstart, you, uh, you can... My old motorcycle had a kickstart, and I could flood the engine with a, with a, yeah. with, with the kickstarter. But... You can also pull the... Um, pull the clutch. Pull pop the clutch. Pop, the, pop yeah. the clutch. So yes and no. It's not unrealistic what we see. Yeah, I I, it didn't bother me. It just occurred to me. Yeah. Because they do it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, they do it... Yeah, they do it a couple times. Rocky and Morgan clash. Basics. <laughs> we get the reprise of basics. One of Billy's knights goes off road and through the tents and is forced into a car flipping over the hood. Yeah, again, these stuntmen are fucking working it's, hard. It's a great stunt. Yeah. Alan's driver just gets knocked out, so he needs a sub. And then Rocky sacrifices herself to stop two of Morgan's knights from getting to Alan while they wait. And then, yeah, she picks, they all get up together and, and, yeah. and walk yeah. off. Blackbird harries Morgan and. It looks like we get a shot where it looks like he gets knocked off, but in fact, he's being dragged behind the sidecar. Yeah. Which is great. And then Blackbird gets taken out. Morgan's pulled up. Morgan's last night eats it on a ramp. That is also a hard hit. Yes. <laughs> dude just gets. Oh, I forgot about that. Where yeah. the bike moves and he just gets flecked over the side of the, over ramp. the, over yeah, the ramp. Yeah, fuck. And so it's down to just Alan and Morgan. Morgan needs a weapon because he's lost his weapon when he when he fell off. So he circles around. He's trying to pick up a piece of a broken lance, which he ends up doing. And he and his rider jump off a ramp, passing over Alan, who he hits and knocks off. Yeah. The king is dead. Long live the king. In this sequence, though, I, you mentioned sport before and how it would have been bad guys versus good guys. I agree, but... There is an element of this where it's like if it was a little bit more sport-like where it was like a little bit more like when he was making those attempts to pick up the lance, if there was a little bit more drama and maybe like closer shots and some more like sound design maybe around it, it would have felt a little bit more dramatic. I think that it would have in 10 years' time. I think the filmmaking style is of, of a different era. I don't right. think that people make movies the way that you were thinking of that sequence being put together yet. Oh, okay. That's yep. really interesting. Yep. Right. It's a looser style. Like it's just a looser 70s style of filmmaking. Right. And also George Romero doesn't have the resources to be as precise as like a, as his contemporaries. He's not making big budget movies where he has lots of money. He's putting probably two or three cameras on something and hoping he gets it the first time. Yeah, right. It's a different, it's a different feel of things. So he's a professional filmmaker, but he doesn't have millions of dollars to spend, to spend weeks trying to get that stuff right so he has to capture things and then build things in an, in an edit very cool okay it's a different type of filmmaking interesting type of filmmaking. billy realizes 
But it's the first moment where he realizes yeah, it's like, like it's not going to happen. It, well, it, he's lost. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan approaches and it's sinking in and Billy slowly removes his crown. There is a moment before he moves his crown. There's like a beat where he's like not removing his crown. You're like, no, oh, what's going to happen? Not, yeah. I didn't feel, I don't feel that much. No. Feel no? That. no. I think it's just a, the, it's he's the taking a second to. Yeah. It is the to, acceptance To have it all sink yeah. in and yeah. He places the crown on Morgan's head with a smile and tears in his eyes. Yeah. And cry, the, he hugs him and Morgan. Morgan is crying. Tom Savini is, is crying in that moment. And Billy is elated. Like his response is that the yeah. code works. Yeah. We have crowned a new king. We have yeah. crowned a new king. And even though he has lost everything, he has proved that the code the code can yeah, work. Yeah, and that, he, that uh, plays into the story that's going through this whole fight because he is smiling. Because yeah, the whole time. And he is smiling yeah. at the fact look at all of these people loving yeah. the thing that I love. He doesn't smile when bad guys are knocked off. He smiles when everyone's getting knocked off. Yeah, you he know smiles what I mean? no matter yeah. what's happening and it's yeah. because he, he's loving that everyone else is buying into this thing and that we're all in this together and it's the dream. Does he need to leave though? That's what I was going to ask. Does Would... Like when Morgan eventually gets dethroned, does he have to leave too? Like, is it an? No, do, I don't do we think, think he does. I think that Billy thing, just sees or? it's the end of the road. Like he has Billy business to go take care of. It's his destiny. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I think it's just if, if what happened hadn't happened, would he have maybe come back? Eventually I don't. I don't know. I to think visit his friends because I, I mean, this was I, I his, thought about that too. This was his dream. If if, if if he if the end didn't end the way it did. Does he have to go get a normal people maybe job? The, maybe the realization is is that, is that the the dream can't exist. With him, so he has to go. Get so he's got to go. Job. That's what I think he's happens never when have a what job. happens eventually happens. He's I think that's what yeah. he's he's coming to terms. It's with. like he may also know that that's coming. Yeah, he may have decided that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynette gives Morgan her crown because she is no longer queen. Morgan makes Angie the new queen. Yeah, which I knew that Kira would appreciate. And yeah, Lynette and Billy make real what they've both known for a long time that's over between them. He just lets her go. She goes to be, she walks across the field to be with Alan. Billy laughs, puts his helmet on and says goodbye to everybody kind of silently, except for Merlin, who he tells he loves. And he rides off on his bike with Blackbird joining him. Yeah. And they ride so for, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. Mm. They ride for a long time, ride into the night. Yeah, but again, so long. <laughs> it's but, but also beautiful, like worth it. Yeah, yeah. this is again one I of those it. ends where I was like, how long is this going to go for? Like, do we have another hour to go? Yeah. <laughs> he finds the cop that beat up Bagman in the yeah. roadside diner. I did not see that coming. He the shit out of him. He wipes him out. And the locals cheer because that guy yeah. is not a good dude. That clap was kind of awkward. But also, is the gun in the deep fryer not going to explode? No. Why would it explode? Like, pressurized, like... Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Gunpowder. As I've said many times on this podcast, not a gun guy. Yeah, okay, fair. It's his last victory. Yeah. Walks out with you doing the fist bump. Yep. <laughs> they sleep rough that night. And then the next day at a small school where the kids are reading the Pledge of Allegiance, a code it's of their so own. Cute. Billy walks into the classroom and gives the kid that wanted his autograph at the beginning of the movie his sword. Wouldn't this be horrifying? No, it would be so cool. The kid is like, the, this is the I know, in, in the realm of the movie, but like uh, this let's old dude bloodied and dirty walks in. Let's just deal with it in the realm of the yeah, movie, dude. Yeah. Like, Still. 
The kid knows who he is. Most of these kids have probably been, to, were probably at that run fair true. too. Yeah, true. Small town. As he exits the room, I love how he just says, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, and then so the, kids, the kids all gather around him and the and teacher has to call And they think it's so cool. Yeah. Do you reckon the sword is sharp? Probably. <laughs> Did he probably. just give a sword, sharp sword to a kid? Probably. Probably. <laughs> A storm's coming. We hear thunder as they as they ride out. Oh, that ever, he he ever does present. the hose thing. I love that. He walks he out, out and Blackbird so. has put a hose over his bike so you can wash his face and like have a drink. Yeah. yeah. Love that. And on a country road in the rain, Billy bleary-eyed and bleeding down his shoulder and into his gloves opens his helmet and sees a vision of a knight riding a horse through yeah. a field. It's the first time we see an actual knight on an actual horse. It's the first time we see a horse throughout the whole oh, no. thing. <laughs> yeah. And he smiles. Yeah. As we cut to him being basically obliviated by a truck. I, yeah, I mean, we don't see a body. So he just completely teleported away there. Well, we don't see a body because the movie's not it. Like, yeah, it's not a, a bloody. You can yeah. do a fucking mannequin. Instead, yeah. we get the helmet. The helmet is all you need. Yeah. You get the, the shattered parts of the bike of and the bike everywhere. The, and the helmet. I feel bad whenever this is depicted in a movie. I always feel bad for the truck driver or the train driver, whoever, you know. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You, did you see that ending coming? The whole ending I didn't see coming. Like, I mean, I, I didn't see anything after I didn't see anything after the hour to go mark. <laughs> and then right. the 20 minutes to go, I didn't see any of that coming. Right. And then the very end, because of the last 15 minutes, kind of with that ending, I was like, mm. there's got to be something. Actually, when he rocked up to the school, I thought he was going to. Have a family and a kid. Yeah. So did I. I when I re- and I thought that was his sin and why he didn't like himself. When I re when I rewatched the movie for the first time since I was a child, I think I thought, yeah, he was going to see his son. Yeah, but he's not. It's the kid with it. it's the kid from the autograph. Because like he's only been doing it for two years, he could definitely have a young child. Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, I think that he, when he left the Ren Fair, he knew he was going to. Die. Yeah, I think so. Because he's been bleeding out since the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great call. But I think it, it was kind I think of he's, him summing up his life. And his yeah. and his shoulder has been so bad that he. Do we think yeah. Blackbird knew? I think Blackbird was there to make sure that there was someone there. <laughs> I feel like Blackbird knew everything that was going to happen throughout the whole movie. <laughs> well, he wasn't there for the whole movie, but yeah, I think I think Blackbird was there because he knew something bad was going to happen. Yeah, and he wanted someone to be there to bring the body back. But yeah, I think I think Billy knew knew yeah. that he was going to die, so he wanted to rectify thought, his sins before. I didn't think it was going to be a truck. I thought because we were showing him like looking back past him and not showing where he was looking. I thought he was just going to close his eyes and write off something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was just going to, like, die on the bike. I, like, yeah. I didn't think that he was going to get obliterated by a truck. <laughs> this is a fucking sharp But, sharp I mean, that's how a knight would go. Yeah, I suppose. At his funeral, the troop all gather to mourn their king and sing a song. That is a fucking door. That is not a coffin. That is a door. Did you realize that? That is a door that has been cut into the shape of a coffin. I did not notice. Yeah. I was distracted by the sadness. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> the song is called I'd Rather Be a Wanderer. And we get one last moment with everybody in the rain as the musician plays the song. It's the song that he was going to It's the song that he was writing, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's fairly devastated. Our last little kind of tiny scene is we see a blackbird 
watching the troop as they ride down the highway with Morgan in the lead. Mm. And that is Night Riders. Such a good film. This movie feels like a fucking DMT trip. You know what I mean? It yeah. feels like a completely different universe. It's 70s independent filmmaking. In yeah. 1981, man. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. It's just like there's, they're so less worried about about structure and traditional storytelling. It's lots of character work. And I can't believe there was its, ever a point where time. this movie would make it to a cinema. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's, and there's crazier stuff than, than this out there. But Yeah, true. But there's nothing else like it. But there's this nothing is, else like this movie. Yeah. An appropriate age to have seen Night Riders. Kids can watch this movie. Yeah, I agree. Five-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> Still kind of think, you know, let's go seven. I think I must have been like six or seven when I saw this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I was much older than that, if I was. Little boys are going to be loving this movie. Yeah, I just thought it was cool because it was it was nights on motorcycles, right? Yeah. So for a little but you boy, can watch this awesome. movie for the first time at any age and have just yeah. as much fun. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're all adults. All those reviewers are adults, and we all watched it and just fucking loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Yes. 100% yes. I think sitting down to watch this movie knowing how long it is would stop me sometimes. Yeah. But I definitely think if it's being put on, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. It could be a barrier. I understand it being a barrier to entry because, and also because it'd be you being put off by the fact that honestly the first scene or sequence goes for 40 minutes. Yeah. Right. But it's worth sticking with. It yeah. Really that's is. what I mean. Like I, that's what I mean about not taking anything out of it because it's just it, like all of it is worth it. All I'm, of it is yeah, all of it's worth it. I really appreciate having to watch some of the movies that we've had to over this because I knew I had a love for like some bad movies and like some like movies that were like bad in a good way. But like watching movies like this where it's like, I wouldn't call this a bad movie, but this is not a movie I would ever put on, yeah. <laughs> ever choose to watch. Yeah. Like the concept alone, the way it looks, like everything about it, besides like it being a Romero film, that's like one thing that got me to choose it. And then like, honestly, how you guys were so excited about it really got me to choose it. I would never in a hundred years put this movie on. Yeah. We, uh, as I said at the beginning, like we wondered if you had ever even seen anything like this because never. it's not, be, because you're, let's be honest, your movie knowledge probably doesn't go much and beyond 1980. Besides right? specific things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like either I've watched it for like, specific knowledge or like someone yeah. who had seen something was like, Hey, watch this. Like never. We've, I mean, we've kind of like defined this podcast as eighties and nineties, right? Yeah. This movie does feel like something of the seventies. right? Yeah. And we will do movies from the, from the seventies. But so did, um, uh, 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 so did the fog that felt seventies. Yeah. Not, not the way this one. Does. Yeah. True. 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 This Particularly one. Particularly the start of this one. The start of this one felt not eighties. Yeah. yeah. The the that's vibe of this one was very strong. That's 70s. because what we think of as the 80s doesn't really exist until like 1985 or 86. Yeah. That's the same with the 90s. What we think of 90s is late 90s. No, grunge is exactly. Flannel is 1991. Oh, I'm more talking about 90s hip hop. See, that's what I yeah, think okay, of when sure. 90s. Fair enough. There's two sides to 90s. There is. There is. A rating for Night Riders. The way that we rate movies is on a five star scale with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie. Two and a half being I like parts of this movie. It was fine. Three being I like this movie. Four being I love this movie. And five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, just uh, I just rewind because um, I didn't actually look at my notes. Um, I just want to point out that during that whole thing with Billy at the end, yeah. my notes were gave the kid his sword. Yay. Is he going to die? 
fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you did see it coming. <laughs> Had you forgotten? I think I think the fuck is in reference to exactly how the dying happened. I think yeah, I, like right. I remember, but it was long enough ago that like it was still a bit of a surprise. So can we rate the movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just thought I'd tell you about my notes. I appreciate that. I always go first. You go first. But I don't know. <laughs> okay. I think I'm tossing up between a four and a 4.5 mm-hmm. just because I love this movie. There is no doubt in my mind that I love this movie, but does it edge into one of those movies that are like deserve a little bit more because it is the definition of, I love this movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Again, it's length affects me, I think. And I get it's a hangout movie, but I think for a movie to be one of my favorites, it needs to be something that I could, without hesitation, put on again. Yeah, sure. I would put this on again, well, but well, there so is hesitation. But okay, so here's the thing I would say to you. Is I understand that. I understand that like the favorite movies of all time being something you could perhaps like even watch back to back. Yeah. I think that this movie could be one of your favorite movies of all time that you revisit every five to ten years Ooh. and it would still fill that spot, but it's because of what it gives you. It gives you enough, it nourishes you enough with enough ideas about about freedom and following a code and stuff that you don't need to see it all the time. Interesting. And I'm not trying to change your grade. I'm just positing that there are some movies that are your favorites that you can watch all the time and there are some movies that are your favorites that, that are just with you and you can come back to them in ten years' time and it'll ju- be just as special. Yeah, I'm giving it a four because I know when a movie is one of my favourite movies and this is a four. I, I very much love this movie. I, I think I'm going to go with my original thought that this is the definition of a four for me. So four. Yeah, a four, thank you. I was a 4.5. Okay. But through talking about it, it's codified itself. It is a five. It's definitely Whoa. a Wow. Yeah, there's Yay. nothing else like I get, totally even, get it. Even totally just because there's nothing else like it. There's yeah, no, there we're really never going to see anything else that, that, that is this movie. Yeah. We're never going to have the problem where we go, oh, yeah, that movie was a little bit too much like Knight Riders. No. That's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> the weird thing is, is if this movie was a little bit shitter, it might have been a 4.5 for me. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you need, the, you yeah. need the, the crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Like this movie made some crazy choices, but in the world of the film, it still kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next week, the way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns, picking from a list of three choices I prepared from the store. This week is Kira's pick. Damn. If a movie remains unpicked three times, it's struck out and taken off the list. Although I can bring it back at a late date of my choosing. Still on the list is only one movie because Brody let Ninja 3 The Domination get struck out. <laughs> it is Joel Schumacher's Flatliners with one strike. Also, I'm so devo. We listened to the, I listened to the podcast with the trailer cut in for Ninja <laughs> 3 The Domination. I was yeah, like, I've, fuck, man, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've started doing that. Yeah. Just cutting in sound of the trailer. It definitely makes me like want to have certain movies. Flatliners with one with one stroke. Flatliners. Yes. And it will stay on the list until next year. Yeah, because, because it's Christmas, right? Next week is Christmas. Mm. Next week will be our Christmas episode. Well, one of our Christmas episodes, which means you guys don't get to pick. Ah, cool. Would you like to guess what will be the first movie for Weird Kid Christmas? I've been promised that there will be no debate about whether the movie that is picked is a Christmas movie. Interesting. Because I would stab Keen in his sleep if he didn't let me have an actual Christmas movie for the Christmas episode. She would stab me in the eye with a shard of glass. Until he was dead. I don't know many 80s Christmas movies. Or 90s. Yeah, not really. I know lots of Christmas movies. I just, it's definitely going to be something that I've not 
Well, not definitely. It'll almost definitely be something that I've not seen unless Home it's, yeah, like that. Home Alone 90s, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, I grew up with Home Alone. I saw Home Alone in a theatre as a small child. Unless it's oh Home Alone God. or Die Hard, it's going to be something I've never heard of. It could be. Remember that Christmas movie that was a trailer on one of the movies that we saw this year? That Vaguely, we were like, yes. We were all like, oh, yeah, that looks good. So it could be that movie, whatever that movie was. Yeah, vaguely, very vaguely. don't even remember anything about I it. I remember making a note to myself to watch it this year for Christmas. Okay. So we were we were clearly impressed enough with it that I felt like I should add it to my Christmas list of yeah. movies. So it could be that or it could just be Die Hard. I mean, we've mentioned Die Hard I so mean, many times. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, Die Hard or Home Alone, I'm going to say. Die Hard's too obvious. Damn it, I thought so. Die Hard's 100% a Christmas movie. Yeah. But 100%. we're not doing it for our first I don't care Christmas. what Bruce Willis says. He doesn't get to decide. So here's the thing. We Bruce Willis it. says it's not a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Oh. Guess. Yeah, he doesn't get to decide. No. No, no, no. I picked a Christmas movie. Have I heard of it? Yes, absolutely. Is it P- a famous one? I picked a Christmas movie. It is absolutely 100% a movie about Christmas, but it's also a wicked video Christmas movie. Yeah, I wasn't just going to pick a straight Christmas movie. We do trash cinema and or home, hits on home video from, from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I'm mad. And is it a famous I'm one? So, I know it. I am so dubious about Kian picking my Christmas movie. Is movies. it a horror Christmas? And, and, after, and after Die Hard, there is only one other that is would fit within the genres of things that we have done. We are watching Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. It won't wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift. He ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do... They change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. Gremlins! Oh, mad. We're watching Joe Dante's Gremlins. I always forget that that's a Christmas movie. This is one of those movies that... I 100% know I have watched. Do not remember anything. I don't think you've seen it. I 100% know I have. I think you've probably seen Gremlins too. think you might not have seen Gremlins. Uh, maybe. Yeah, 
Okay. I'm, I'm feeling less confident now. <laughs> I just got a just got a feeling. So yeah, we're going to be watching Joe Dante's Gremlins, produced by Steven Spielberg, written by Chris Columbus. Oh hey. really? Actually, I knew that. Chris Columbus, of course, would Harry Potter fame. Yeah. Well, well lots of other things. Yes. He's also on the screenwriters of Goonies. Oh uh, yeah, you've said that in another episode. No, I have. Mm. Shall is he allowed to read the blurb this time? Well, it's Gremlins. Yeah, we know it. Go on. <clears throat> in your best Christmas trailer voice. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Sure, he's cute. Of course, you can keep him. However, you must heed these three warnings. Don't ever get him wet. Don't keep him away from bright lights. And most importantly, the one thing you must never forget, no matter how much he cries or begs, never, never feed him after midnight. Yeah, does that fit your exacting standards of what a Christmas movie Fuck is? yeah. Yes, and especially because I would be very dubious about any movie that actually has Santa in it that you would pick. Um, So I'm kind of relieved with this choice because it does classify as a Christmas movie, but you're not going to break my Christmas heart by choosing some sort of negative Santa portrayal. So I am happy. That's it. We're good. Christmas. Get the fuck out. I love Christmas. Get the fuck out of here. We're done for the year. Get the fuck out of here. We'll be back in. Don't like. No, we've got another fucking episode. What are you people talking about? Yeah, we're going to do the Christmas. (laughs) We didn't just just teleport past Gremlins. Christmas episode. I'll let you know when we'll be back after Christmas. After Christmas. Don't like. Don't subscribe. Stay off the fucking internet. Follow us at Weird Kid Video on Instagram and Twitter and leave us a review so that we can find out Brody's deepest fears with Christmas. Maybe your deepest Christmas fear. Ooh, I'll think of one. Start a troop, go live by the code. But seriously, like... Return to the sea. Do all of those things and get lost in the internet and don't go out into the wild and follow us on all social media so that we actually have a social media following, right? Those things, but also, yeah, do stay off the internet. It's a kind of scary place, but... You can do both at the, the part, same time. The part of the internet where you listen to podcasts is just fine. Yeah. The bird app is dead. Long live the bird app. And... <laughs> Long live the king. Long live the king. Same. Same. I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king then? The lady of the lake. Her arm clad in the purest shimmering samite held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. <laughs>